by now everyone knows that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But did you know that Jurassic Park is an Easter movie? Hold on to your butts. Welcome to the Spoiler Alert Podcast, and today the movie we'll be reviewing is Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. And just real quick before we get into the review, I'd like to say that we are now available on Spotify, so please check that out. I definitely recommend it for especially our earlier episodes when the internet wasn't so great to us, Um, and you might just want to listen to some audio instead of looking at the leg but we tried our best um uh and also we're gonna start having some exclusive audio to go to couple with some episodes um for just the audio versions we have a j horror video coming up and we may end up just attaching uh some additional audio footage to the back end of that for the audio version on soundcloud spotify and google podcasts uh apple podcasts are on the way so i can't quite say that we're available everywhere podcasts are found but we're getting there so i encourage everybody to go on there and uh give us a follow uh while you're on youtube hit the bell subscribe hit like on the video because that generally counts more than uh views so Jurassic Park, it is, especially for people our age, Dakota, like we grow up with it, you know, like it's, it's not by any means a perfect movie. It's not, you know, it's not ultra special, but it is. I think it it is. I mean, I I think it's a pretty like substantial movie. I mean, but, but it is imperfect. I mean, I think uh rewatching at this time uh, some of those i think even as a kid i was aware of some of the like a few problems and those were still there and i noticed a couple new ones but i think it still you know holds up it's a hugely enjoyable movie so um right everyone has pretty much seen it everyone's grown up with it to some degree and it's it 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 truly is like one of the more entertaining movies you can possibly think of that everyone will would like like you don't have to be film nerds like us or anything to enjoy Jurassic Park uh but again the importance here it's an Easter movie and you know we're just gonna I'm just gonna plant this in your in the viewer's mind going in here uh eggs yeah a resurrection (laughs) fucking dinosaurs are kind of bird-like so that's like kind of chickens like chickens used to be t-rexes basically sure and you know and if john hammond is not the human equivalent to the fucking easter bunny i don't know who is he's walking around there white beard white clothes passing out eggs to people creating eggs out of seemingly nothing he mentions that he's there at, at at the hatching of every dinosaur. He walks around with a cane. It's a fucking, it's a fucking Easter movie. 
Jurassic Park it begins with in Isla Nublar, which I honestly don't know where it is, but I, I, think, I think it's fictional. Uh, oh, okay, it's yeah. fictional. Well, we're basically hanging around the Caribbean most of this movie anyway. Costa Rica, um, right? so or yeah, like Costa Rica off the Costa Atlantic, kind of dancing around that area. Um, and it's the forklift scene where they they're wheeling in this velociraptor. We do not see the velociraptor yet uh, mm. as an audience. We just see little hints and clues. Like it's very Spielbergian in that yeah. way to start. You see people lined up with like a bunch, you know, guns and shit, and it's a tasers. Something. Yeah. Yep. Uh, cattle prods that are just like intense ass cattle prods and they're trying to lock it into this gate but once they open up the door to the to the cage basically whatever is in there we know it's a velociraptor basically kicks and leverages the cage apart and then the dude falls down that was opening the gate and the velociraptor grabs him by the legs and is pulling him in and this Australian dude, who we would later learn is named Robert Muldoon, he comes into play later on. He's trying to save this dude. Uh, doesn't work. And they're just, you know, zapping the shit out of this Velociraptor. And it really does nothing. I mean, it uh, looks like a really heavy-duty cage. So it's like, I don't, I'm not sure if it could actually shift that whole thing. Yeah. And then also the angle at which the dude's being, I mean, obviously it's getting across that this thing is super fierce and strong or whatever. And but, intelligent, because it right. could use, it knows how to use like its own leverage. Uh, some of those movements are pretty exciting. I mean, it's like, pull, it, it, and, yeah, I don't know. And like, it seemed like it was locked in. Like, it seemed yeah. like if the cage was that heavy duty and the gate was that heavy duty, right. that the locking mechanism keeping the pushback from happening would have been strong enough. Nitpicks. What, what actually, but, it doesn't look like the cage is locked up, or, or you know, it, 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 which maybe they should do that going forward. You should have something that attaches the cage to the the gate that uh, of the um, uh, pen or whatever that they're trying to transfer it into. So, like, I mean, something to attach that so that can't happen. Yeah, or e or even back the or even like ram the forklift right against it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Just to and, add and, some weight to it, right? I guess. So I you know, um, live and learn, you know. No it's biggie. exciting opening <laughs> opening action sequence, you know, classic Spielberg opening action sequence that, you know, I mean, I'm sure like it's you know, a common thing where if you have an action movie or even a drama, you want to kick it off with with an action sequence that goes back all the way to yeah. Shakespeare, you know, like. Shakespeare started every single thing with a very exciting scene. So, oh, I okay. think Brighton's opens more with like the mystery, like he he graduated the original novel or whatever of Jurassic Park. Like I think he opens with more of like the mystery. Like I think there's a work. I think that basically that worker from the opening that scene's not in the book, but it's the aftermath. So they bring a worker into like a nearby hospital, and he's been ripped to shit and. Uh, and the doctor thinks this looks like an animal attack, but they're saying it was like a work accident or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, but it, oh. that's, I mean, it's and, mystery building, but I think Spielberg's take is, is a lot more engaging, you know, and, and you know, so. Yeah, uh, I could see how that works for a book though. And by all means, I never read the book, never got around to it. So if yeah. you, whatever you do know about the book, feel free to interject if there's like 
an interesting diversion. But like, well, like Hammond dies, Malcolm dies. There are some big differences, but then Malcolm doesn't die because he comes back in the Lost World, and everybody's just kind of like, "How the fuck?" You know. Well, so. I do. I do know that in the movie, um, we might get to this a little bit later, but in the movie, they were originally going to try to kill off Malcolm. Uh, oh, okay. but yeah, because that's in the book, and then and then Crichton basically retcons that with his sequel book, which is hugely different from the Lost World, the movie, but. Uh, but he knew Spielberg wanted to do a sequel, so then he started writing The Lost World, uh, and he brought back Malcolm, even though he died in the book. And I, I don't even know what the explanation was because I haven't. I haven't okay, played. I'll 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 just say it now then. Uh, but I was watching the special features, and they were going to have Malcolm die during the T Rex attack, uh, oh. along with the lawyer. But okay. Jeff Goldblum suggested to Spielberg, like. I don't know do Burt Reynolds pose for like the rest of the film, you know, like went right. way better. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he suggested to Spielberg that Malcolm, you know, he's he's a flirt, but he he doesn't he's not like a bad person, and he's he's so interesting and engaging, and Goldblum does does a pretty damn good job with him. Yeah. Uh, I was watching. I actually watched Jurassic Park earlier this year, and that time it was like the first time in a few years that i had seen it and you know i you know i'm ready for like hammy ass like gold bloom and i'm like yeah it's even better than i thought it's even better than i remember <laughs> oh, no, he, he has easily the best lines in the movie you know and, and everything thematically like the, the movie's trying to say kind of comes out of that character so but yeah so i, I mean i think that would have been a huge loss so after this dude dies we fit, we dissolve into the Dominican Republic amber mine. And in here, we kind of get some prologue because the lawyer comes in on a raft. The lawyer was like, where's Hammond? Uh, I I forgot if the lawyer- Yeah, the lawyer wants to speak to Hammond because the investors are are anxious now that there's been a a death. Um, Right, yep, so this- so the death in the opening sequence kind of seems like it could be sort of window dressing, but it does, you know, kick off the story. Yeah, um, because yeah, now investors are are shaken because and, and they're facing a massive lawsuit from the family and everything. So, um, yeah. yeah, and they so. subtly they subtly sneak in the exposition that uh, Hammond's not here because he's with his daughter. She's getting a divorce. Oh, and, I, didn't hear, I don't remember that. Yeah, he says it super like quickly and quietly uh, because the lawyer's like, "Where's Hammond? I want to talk to Hammond." And then and that's why he's got the grandkids. Then that kind of okay. Yeah, that's why because it's like, oh, the parents are getting divorced. Go go spend the weekend with grandpa. Right. Yeah. Yep. So right. I I think that was very clever and like exposition to where it's not clunky you get it out of the fucking way you know what i mean and you probably don't even always catch it like i didn't catch that like the first probably however many times i watched this movie it was probably just the last two times i watched it that i caught yeah, maybe it. i did and totally forgot so it's like i don't you know but it's it's yeah but it's all done really that just the way that scene plays out I and mean, they're talking like the lawyer's still talking while he's talking to another dude. I mean, it just, it feels very realistic and, you know, mm. like uh, it doesn't feel like a big exposition dump. Everybody's, you know. And yeah. I, I do find that that's how a lot of Spielberg movies tend to move where most of them, he tries to get the exposition just out of the way, almost, 
almost to only that your subconscious picks it up because like i find this that like even in raiders of the lost ark like rewatching that sometimes scene for scene for scene or sometimes you for you kind of it kind of like goes by like like so so effortlessly that you're like oh wait how did we get here you know Oh, but then, yeah. but then it's like, oh, it's because the exposition was so subtle, they didn't want it to weigh the weigh the actual fun and enjoyment of the movie down. They just wanted to cover their bases, move on. Right, and, and usually, you know, those action pieces are so big and you know breathtaking, yeah. whatever that that yeah, you you get lost in them, and you know, so yeah, it's not until a little later that you you kind of can rechart, you know, the the movie. But yeah, yeah, and, so. And so many movies, like we've talked about Johnny Mnemonic, who clearly had a bad time doing exposition. It's like they kind of get almost nervous, like stage fright when it's like, I got to explain what the movie's doing. Right. And then it's just they fuck it up and it's like, you're going too long, buddy. (laughs) And like, (laughs) yeah, Spielberg is master of just slipping it in. And that sounds sexy. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Well, it's a very sexy movie. Like that's the other thing I see. Like everything in this movie is sexy, especially the sound design. Like just all the little clicks of like vials sliding into the chambers of the the Barbasol can, the click of the stock on the Spaz 12, the switches, the buttons, the jeeps, just everything in this movie is just hugely sexy. Like I don't know. If, that seems to be like when I look back at a lot of these movies I watched as a kid, like those sounds and images tend to be a mm-hmm. little more, but I think even without that, it just is hugely satisfying. I think that the I, sound was the Skywalker sound or whatever. I think so. so. And yeah. and in both of my notes, every time that they have the Barbasol can, I do make a note that uh, just sound design, exclamation point. Oh, really? Yeah, um, it's just beautiful. So basically this lawyer is all uptight and whatever, and then the minor... I think at one point the lawyer asks, uh, what what would Hammond want to do with any anything with an amber mine anyway? And then like at that at that time, like they have just extracted another mosquito caught in amber yeah. and the miner looks at it and then camera zooms in and the mosquito is gonna be important. Um, well, and that's a big thing for me though. I'm like, how in the hell do you ever find these? I mean, how I mean like it, it just seems like a needle in the right in, a, in the haystack that is the entire world like how are you going to find right they, call, they called it an amber mine so i don't know if that's even a thing that like exists like if there's large concentrations of amber that people find in the dirt yeah, but... yeah i wonder if there'd be a way to find okay because obviously they get stuck in the sap of the trees i wonder if you like so you have like uh uh ellie sattler who's a uh, paleobotanist and it's like maybe yep. maybe you could dig up fossilized pieces of, of wood or trees and you could go this kind of tree was here so by extension yeah. but i don't know it just seems so i know that money's not really an object for hammond but to have like i just don't know where you'd even start yeah uh, yeah if we have any paleontologists <laughs> in the, in the comments uh, let us know because a lot about a p- paleontology and anthropology is just super wild where like you have these hot spots where a bunch of fossils can be found and then uh, 
in South Dakota and North Dakota and Montana, like the Badlands area, you get a ton of a ton of paleontologists because where do we find Grant? Isn't is he in South Dakota? Or he's in, he's in Montana, and that's oh, where Montana. we kick it off. And like, but like you know, well, some some of the paleontology done around there is they that's find all the the brachiosauruses and shit. That's where they find them, right in Montana. Yeah, and they, I think they find T Rexes too, and. Oh. Um, but like even in South Dakota down through Kansas, they find evidence of like large oceans because they have fit, they find like fish that won't live in a freshwater environment or, or at least it's such a broad scale of fish that they're like, this was either like the biggest lake ever, or it was a sea or just a flat out, like just ocean down the Midwest um which if you map that out with your mind and you like one of the reasons St. Croix Falls is like a national landmark and the ice age trail and everything is there is because the water if you think of where like downtown St. Croix is the water used to be at least that high oh yeah that like the river because if you just look at it if, if you think about it like from a macro perspective the whole thing looks like a canyon that a river is just slowly cutting through. You know what I mean? Right. And like it, it used to start way up here and now it's like down there. Oh, and there's also uh, an interstate park on, oh, yeah. on at least the Wisconsin side. I think it's on both sides. So uh, yeah, there's like these whirlpool potholes that, look just like tornadoes or hurricanes or something like super crazy like defined spirals and it's on top of the fucking cliffs yeah so like, <laughs> so like it's it just really and you only get those kind of whirlpools at the bottom of an ocean of like an area where rocks just get in there and over time erode it out uh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, see, I didn't know. I, I've gone all that. I, maybe I did again when I was a kid. I mean, I walked through the park and probably read all those things, but I obviously information retention is probably not my, my greatest uh, skill. So um, but. I know a little bit, but it just it blows my mind sometimes how how paleontologists can like find fo fossil like hot spots. Well, um, now they have. Uh, well, well, I, I think that's what we see in it when when it goes to to grants is that uh, right? They have out. a radar. Yeah, they shoot that. Uh, I forget what that's called, but uh, in, uh, yeah, underground and that. It's, I, yeah, I think it's they radar. literally just shoot like a like a shotgun slug into the ground, and then mm -hmm. they have radar detectors around it to yeah. get the. Now it's uh, slightly. I they have. Uh, like I think the technology now it's just you basically just stab into the ground you don't have to fire something down into the, I can't remember though I, I I was reading up on this recently but oh yeah and then lidar technology that's how they they find all those uh you know those Mayan ruins and shit that are you know mm -hmm. totally uh covered up by the jungle and, and and now we have lidar technology in like our our phones like with the the i the iPhone 12 so uh that's how far technology's come but you know but yeah so right so so after he sees the amber or we, we get a close-up on the amber we cut to the badlands area in montana which also go, cuts through i know south dakota and and i assume 
portions of North Dakota as well. Um, went to the Badlands when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been a long time, but I know that when I made a tri- our trip to South Dakota when I was a kid and we saw Mount Rushmore, the Badlands, all that stuff, uh, apparently I padded the horse from Dances with Wolves. Oh, I've been there. I know where you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I'm, I don't know that he's still alive, but I know the place you're talking. Oh, the about. horse yeah, is probably there. dead. Yeah. So, um, but I have but no recollection. Like a few years ago, so uh, I never. I'd gone a few times, but I'd never gone in there. And yeah, they have all the dances with wolves. Like, oh yeah, a camel spit in my eyeball. That happened there. So that was. Yeah, they have a camel, and uh, I was lucky enough to to have that camel spit in my eyeball. In the like in these badlands, we get like shotgun charges, like we were just saying, shooting into the ground, and the computer picks it up on radar. And this is when we're kind of introduced to Alan Grant, who is looking at the computer screen. He's kind of a little, he's you know, he's not necessarily mistrusting of technology, but he's definitely like right. like like your mom looking at the computer or whatever, or, or like yeah, well, yeah he touches like, it. And it you know, well, it's I just think he like, says he hates, oh, I don't he hates computers because he doesn't get them. I mean, which I mean ties in with his character. He's very much in the past, literally. I mean, digging things up. So, um, you know, like, yeah. And then uh, now that happens throughout the movie too, where it's like even the buckles on the the helicopter, and then in the car, like it stops, and he's like, "What did I touch?" You know, like he just yeah. So <laughs> he, he's just not compatible with technology. Uh, and then he's explaining how like pubic bone. Uh, is shaped like a bird and how like you know this is science to the velociraptor skeleton that they picked up on the imaging or whatever yeah so yeah and this is science too that's like even most recently just like it's only now that like like in the last handful of years that they've started putting you know more feathers on dinosaurs like in science books and stuff like that I think they knew by like the time of like Jurassic Park three, but because of continuity, they're like, well, it wouldn't really make sense to, they couldn't figure out a way yeah. to put them on. And, and it was, st- it was still just theorized to a certain point. Yeah. They're still not sure how bird like they were mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, like were they able to fly? I'm sure some of them weren't, it would be fucking crazy if a T-Rex could fly. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't that, see how I think that, that would I mean, that would immediately sure be the that's... biggest bird ever. I think. But uh, I, I, yeah, it would probably be a useless bird with like just like little like oh, what are those ones that can't even take off? You know, from the like, well, there uh, are plenty of birds like that. But yeah, I mean, it's got useless arms. I'm sure just have like useless little chicken wings or some shit. Yeah, you know? like, and then right next to it's useless chicken hands. Right. Um. Well, actually, chickens don't have hands. So or, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, but and then he scares the shit out of a kid and yeah the, like another nitpick here where basically most of the criticisms come down to like nitpicks where yeah it's kind of like this where you kind of forgive it because it's just entertaining entertaining enough and you give it the slack but there's no way the kid saw the saw the monitor from there and was like that doesn't look scary oh, i didn't even think of that yeah because he's like because there. there's adults crowded around the screen that are all like you know six feet tall right. and and he's like a little four foot kid like all the way back there he's like yeah. that doesn't look scary and then uh 
Sam Neill goes and scares the shit out of the kid by being like, yeah. oh yeah, he'll cut up your belly, he'll cut your dick off, he'll you're alive when he eats you. Yeah, I and couldn't then... tell if he like slashed at the crotch. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so but and, yeah, um, oh, I think Statler also... even says later, like you, you could have just pulled a fucking gun on him, Grant. I mean, <laughs> so, and so. also I don't know how often, like how common like a raptor talon is to find intact because the idea behind fossils people just think they're bones it's more of like a hollow imprint that the ground leaves behind oh, yeah. and then it fills in with slightly different like minerals or whatever that are right. no longer raptor minerals it's just dirt that like fill back in so basically any fossil you find are basically rocks there's not a lot of biological information left over. Um, although somehow people can find a fucking ton out about any living creature about looking, digging through their shit. So yeah, yeah. like, even if it's, about that. Yeah, like so. even if it's fossilized shit, like, and that actually kind of in a, in a short term uh, instance occurs in this movie later on, but mm. that, huge pile of shit <laughs> just um yeah. um yeah so basically the message there is like getting the audience kind of prepared that like you know raptors are in a way even scarier than t-rexes so yeah raptors don't give a fuck they're super smart they run in packs t-rexes never ran in packs you know they're right. like raptors are definitely more agile athletic better with their claws um, T-Rexes kind of are just these really huge mouths that right. just are eating machines, basically, um, that are also very effective, but not uh, not as dangerous because they're not as intelligent, I would say. Right. Yeah, they definitely set it up there where it's like, that's going to be the thing to be frightened of. I think there's, I don't know if there's even a musical cue during that, like, um, yeah, it's I kind of ominous. I, th I think it, I think it's kind of quiet for yeah i think i think there's just natural sound until the tall hammond comes in on the helicopter maybe um but also uh also we get a little quick thing about here where we're you know it becomes obvious that alan grant and ellie sadler are boyfriend girlfriend and uh, uh wasn't, see i was never sure i thought that was always kind of ambiguous like, way back in the day i thought like I wasn't sure, but I mean they're kind of like grab ass in a little bit, and you um, know. Okay, I did catch but, that. But... Yeah, they kind of grab ass a little bit, and then like uh, even Ellie's like, um, it it would be good for you to be around some kids, and then... yeah, I never picked up on on that, but I didn't know if it was. Yeah, I don't. You you don't you didn't know if they were already boyfriend girlfriend or if they were kind right, of or just... she was just kind of. Feeling or each maybe, other or out. maybe they weren't because of that because it was clearly something that she you know she wanted to probably have kids and he doesn't and so i just thought yeah like i guess this was the special features that it's like super cemented but spielberg okay. does say that like their boyfriend girlfriend from the beginning okay i see um, i did yeah I was, I was just never sure about it's it. not the most obvious uh yeah. thing because i don't know they try to it's it's like it, they try to like seemingly like intentionally make it not a love story too because yeah. they they don't want it to distract you away from anything else but they are a little touchy-feely and that's about like all the clues that you get and then they talk about the kids 
And then Hammond, okay, so Hammond comes in on this helicopter and he's already in the fucking trailer with the champagne. He got there pretty quick. Almost like he's inhuman. Almost like he's a fucking Easter rabbit. Oh. So if that's where he gives a proposition, uh, he's not, he's bearing the lead. He basically says, all right, I need you to help me sign up on my park. And then they're like, why do you need paleontologists for this? And uh, he's like, ah, I'll show you in, in due time. But how do you, what do you think about uh, me funding your expeditions for three years? And then they're like, fuck yeah. yeah. And then they get a little more grab assy. You cut to Costa Rica where this dude, Dennis, the actor's in a few things. He's in, he looks uh, familiar. the first thing that comes to mind is basic instinct for some reason. Uh, oh yeah, was well, he one of the? the yeah, he's in he's he's in the leg crossing scene, right? Yeah. Basic Instinct, sweating. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and and then I think he has a part in JFK as well. Okay, because I know I've seen him in other things, but I just I can't remember. Uh, we're in Costa Rica. Dennis is immediately already like sloppy as fuck. Like, yeah, he's, you know very brash and like kind of arrogant like they're doing like this secret thing and the guy that's coming to pay him money in, in exchange for the embryos is like yeah. trying to be covert at the same time dennis is like basically shouting out their entire business so he's just altogether a sloppy individual right well and then just taking the shaving cream putting it on the uneaten pie or just yeah just everything about it yeah i mean <laughs> so uh, but then there's that that important line where uh, you know he makes uh, makes Dodson pay for his meal because he's you know he's like don't get cheap on me Dodson that that yeah. was Hammond's mistake you know his dialogue's money oriented it, it, which normally might have not been there's there's so much in this movie that like normally wouldn't be very subtle but like just works for some reason so I mean Nedry's kind of one note in that sense it's just he's a slob and an asshole and he's greedy you know, and, and mismanages his money and blames other people and is, you know, like, it just, you know, but uh, it just works, you know, so like, I don't know why, um, you know, it could have because like in a lesser, in lesser hands, it could have just been really clunky. I had, I kind of agree with him here, but Spielberg actually doesn't think that he has a style and it's not even like an arrogant, like I can do anything thing. It's like, He's not as stylistic as, say, Kubrick or Tarantino or any or like some people like that. But I still think, you know, when you're watching a Spielberg movie where he stands out to me, is like it's it's suspense. Like when I like if I that's where I think he has a very unique signature. So obviously he doesn't just do suspense films, but when he is doing that he's unparalleled other than like you know Hitchcock which was his huge inspiration you know like I think mm -hmm. he's sneaking out the studio sets to observe Hitchcock making movies and shit so um but uh yeah so like when it comes to suspenseful movies Duel, Jaws, Jurassic Park I do think he has a unique signature but beyond that it's yeah I, I mean he kind of does everything you know so and, and his action movies they're just great at like every action sequence generally one one ups the next yeah but the set it, pieces in this are just fantastic and, mm -hmm. and and in lost world too so i mean i think yeah i think lost world gets a lot of shit i i i, I don't i totally disagree like, i think it's almost as good as the original film i know a lot of people 
the, the way they talk about Lost World, it feels like they're talking about Jurassic Park 3 because like, you know, I, I know yeah. it's, you know, because like that's kind of the obvious sequel. Like that's what you would have expected from Lost World. It's just like, I don't know, you know, Grant lands on the island, gets, you know, that whole, like uh, Lost World felt like a natural extension. It felt a lot darker. It's maybe not as fun, you know? I'm trying to like do a really brief loss because I have so much to say about it, but just, I think it's hugely underrated. I love that movie to death. Uh, I mean, it does have some logical inconsistencies, but watching Jurassic Park 1, there are not even logical, uh, just uh, continuity things like, uh, what was the, the big one? And the, oh yeah, the ship with the severed hand. When it escaped? Yeah, the the uh, the cargo ship or whatever, bringing the uh, the T Rex and the, the the baby to the San Diego dock or whatever. If, like if the whole crew is killed. There's gore everywhere, you know. And you have like the hand. I'm like, well, what did that? If they're still <laughs> in the cargo holds, that was the biggest like inconsistency. But there there were a couple of those in uh, even in 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 this one. So like, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just think it's hugely, a hugely underrated movie. I mean, I, once you get to Jurassic Park 3, it has its moments and whatever, but it, it's definitely a huge dip. Step in down. And, you know, but, but, but what's mind-blowing is that people talk about like Jurassic World, like, oh yeah, it's getting the series back on track because it's been in decline ever since Lost. I'm like, it, Lost World had something to say and it did, I did things fantastically well. And like, I mean, but, you know, uh, Jurassic World and, and its sequel, which Fallen Kingdom is just a total rehash of the lost world uh much lesser i mean it like it hits every the conservationist aspect you know which uh made a lot of sense for lost world i mean like it's one of those things where you think about it and it's like oh yeah that's of course like but but um you know but like but the more obvious thing would have been to do like jurassic park 3 and you, you come up with this contrived reason to get those characters back on the island whereas lost world kind of made sense you know like it's hammond trying to take responsibility for his action and it, it just makes sense that he kind of take this conservationist stance you know and it, it, like it was a, i thought it was a really good movie as a good story okay and then they land in jurassic park well they're in the helicopter in jurassic park and that beautiful we, shot of yeah. that iconic valley in hawaii yeah but uh, yeah just beautiful and we start and this is where we get the introduction to ian malcolm to ian malcolm uh who's brought along along with the lawyer guy because he is a mathematician who specializes in chaos theory so he can basically calculate chances of basically shit going wrong right. um yeah. and he is probably the flirtiest dopest uh mathematician in the history of cinema yeah, they play him up like oh, I think yeah, he says that like you know it's like you know I, I bring the professionals and you bring the rock star because he's you know in it, it, it's supposed to be this like sort of well you see that in the scientific community where you have like something new and that it's like the you know all the, the cool star guy scientists yeah get it. yeah right so um, he's like the hip cool nerd I guess you know so, <laughs> and um, uh, and the the scenes like pretty much starts with one of the most iconic laughs in the history of cinema, where <laughs> it's like it's like like it's got like his laugh in, in itself is like a five act play. Um, <laughs> like, um, Bringing it back to like Shakespeare, yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. and uh, uh, which by the way, there was. Um, this YouTube video where it's like four hours of Goldblum laughing. And I played that over while I was writing up a report 
of paper. Wow. And then they're driving over and we see these big ass brachiosaurs, which when I was a kid, was like my favorite scene of the movie because it wasn't scary. Uh, but like, you know, it Just was still that though, when they get off the helicopter and then you have the the park service friend, what would you call it? technicians, whoever I you know. Uh, they slide the the metal bars behind them as they get onto the jeeps or whatever, and it's and then I think John Williams's score takes an ominous turn, like they're locked in the zoo. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. But but going onto the brachiosaurs, yeah, that or uh, like uh, that CG, it it's still iconic. Like at the time in '93, that was an Avatar like jump, but. but... I mean, for- 93 that that's it's still really good i'm amazed how well it does hold up i mean you can it, you it, can it, tell. it holds up the I, i'd say the brachiosaurs in that specific scene are when it doesn't hold up just as well as the other as some scenes. of the other shots they're mixing animatronics with like shorter shots of CGI. right and it's so bright and sunny and clear yeah. in that that you really have every not there's not many flaws but every flaw that there is to be seen and lighting is what always gives away is, CG. yeah never and seen right so we um, we get t-rex scenes later on that i think look a lot sharper i mean the brachiosaurs yeah you can tell they're cgi but i mean i just i wouldn't say it's like aged horribly it's like it's it you know this is it, 1993 it, it just hasn't aged as well as no. the rest of jurassic park i'd no. say and, and, and I get, I get, I guess what you're saying because it is such a big moment. That's was this big spectacle back in 1993. It it maybe doesn't have quite the same impact, but I think what saves it though is the acting in that scene mm-hmm. is still so like filled with wonder. And it's just, it, it. I think the actors are what save the scene from like from Sam Neill almost scene. almost faints and yeah, you like, know and. Yeah, and just uh, uh, oh god, uh, Laura Dern's face when he turns her head, you know, in the car, and she's just like, you know, yeah, because like yeah, because the scene actually starts where she was like, she picked up a big leaf, and she was like, oh well, this leaf has been extinct for yeah, millions of like, years. What the, what right. the fuck? Because well, she's yeah, she's like a she's the bottle, plant, so that's yeah. the most interesting shit in the world for her. It's like, what the hell is going on here? And then the, and, the head, and then, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, and that that was something that like I didn't always catch until like I got a little bit older, where I was like, oh yeah, like the plant life is all repurposed too, you know? Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure how they got plant DNA. What? Yeah, maybe. Um, well, like um, you said, maybe they're digging through shit or something. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any anyone that digs through shit, let us know. Hit us up. Uh, well, anyone you're that... watching this podcast series, so that's like our whole audience. <laughs> right. <laughs> At this point, the lawyer was was very skeptical, like in this entire drive up and and the and the airplane. And as soon as he sees the dinosaurs, they're like, "We're you're gonna make a fucking fortune!" Right. Like, and he yeah. just totally just lays down for Hammond, <laughs> and he was supposed to be the one that's like ethical <laughs> right well not at the but yeah he was the one who was supposed to uh represent the uh the investors right he was supposed to be the critical one who's yeah. like gonna come in here do the inspection be hypercritical and just as soon as he sees that he's totally on board he, he understands immediately that like oh my god yeah and hammond, and hammond brought on the paleontologists thinking like oh they're gonna be on board no matter what 
Right. So, so it's actually ever, that happens later during the dinner scene, which, oh, that my, my thing with Jurassic World, what I was going to say is that's what's lacking, that dinner table conversation, you know, where, mm. where all the adults are speaking or whatever, right before the kids are introduced. That is everything that's missing from Jurassic World, where they're discussing the ethics and what this means and that, like that, none of that's in there, you know, like, so yeah. I, and that's really the hard and, and they even have time for that later on in the movie too in between a bunch of massive action sequences where yeah. laura dern sits down with hammond one more time mm-hmm. and we'll yeah, get that time that at, on, on opposite ends of this really long table which I, I just thought about when you mentioned it it's like there's probably some kind of visual statement there i don't you know yeah but, there there definitely is um i'm you know it's been i, I i'd say that kind of uh visual statements used a lot in in just a lot of movies where you have like people just on opposite sides of an opinion or opposite sides of like class or whatever and then yeah so then they go on the demonstration like kind of tour that's kind of like uh that's kind of like a pirates of the caribbean ride set up where yeah they're Uh, they're going through the thing and they explain how the dna is spliced with frogs and there's also a little bit of like vr ai stuff yeah, I wanted I to talk about that because it's something I left out of Johnny Pneumatic, but well, I'll, we'll get to it. But I mean, um, but uh, as far as the DNA thing, I just wanted to say he reminds me, well, so they would have come out afterwards, but the paper, Mr. Clippy or something from Microsoft 95, like the big eyeballs on the paper clip. Yeah. Reminds, yeah, that's what he reminds me of. But uh, this would have been two years earlier. So maybe, maybe Bill, Gates, they, uh, Bill Gates stole the, the DNA character. I mean, it seems like, it seems like big technology likes to become uh, what movies warn people about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, oh, like, like, is... like Skynet. We have a military program called Skynet We're for our drones and shit. We, we decided to call it Skynet. That's just genius, right? I mean, yeah. You know, uh, we... <laughs> there, yeah. great that, idea. There is a company called Cyberdyne. I think they do. Um, I think it's Japanese, but I think they do exosuits, exoskeletons for like flight attendants to lift heavy bags and shit. So yeah. Um, that seems I, oddly specific that it would be flight attendants and not I, like, not like a late, like a, like minors or like a yeah, massive. I don't know why, but it, like, like, I think that's the main market is flight or like massively dangerous industries like oil drilling or whatever, where, <laughs> right. you know, you might consider like, oh, it kind of makes sense. Like why put people in harm's way that when there's like an accident every, you know, month. That, yeah, I, mean, like, I know there are other XO suits being developed for other things, but I think that's their primary thing is just yeah carrying luggage onto planes i don't know why but in Japan, <laughs> i think uh it's been a while since i looked it up but uh, so. um but yep yeah, so they go through uh the ai that have has the missing links is spliced with frog dna which comes into play later and they also use like it looks like some kind of artificial intelligence where a guy has like this sort of this oh. like this glove that yeah, like... so they say VR. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all just geeky stuff, but that like I'm really interested in. It's kind of like cool to trace sort of the genesis of some of these visualizations of technology in, in film, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, so this would be 93 before Johnny Mnemonic with the, and, and what it looks like a lot is uh, the Sony Glastron, which came out in 95. So that'd be the same year. And so did the Nintendo Virtual Boy. And yeah, but it looks most like a Glastron, which was probably maybe like they were aware that that technology was in development in 1993 and kind of there were some prototype images that they used in Jurassic Park to kind of 
you know, because that's mm-hmm. what it like. Even the visor and everything kind of looks like, like that. But um, and then I was gonna say another thing with like just manipulating things with hands. I mean, like that probably obviously Minority Report in two thousand three, another Spielberg movie, and then uh, and then later we got the Microsoft Connect, which is that you know I don't know why that didn't take off because I thought that was the coolest shit in the world that you're just in your living room moving shit with your hands and it's totally like Minority Report without the gloves. So. Um, but yeah, so you can see, like, yeah, 93 would be the first one here with Jurassic Park that I could think of, then Giant Mnemonic in 95, and I mean, I, I'm sure there have been other visualizations, like, yeah, so it's, it's just kind of an interesting thing to chart. So, yeah, and it, yeah, so it's really kind of like up on how the technology is starting to develop and, you know, maybe maybe not bio, biological technology like Jurassic Park, but at least like AI, VR type stuff. Um, um then there are other things so with with that scene like before they they get off the right like uh get off the ride or they, they all force up the uh the lap uh safety rail or whatever you know uh yep. which just shows because like hammond has this big rehearsed you know thing. he even has lines which i'm not sure what his plan there was if he's going to personally be present for every one of these tours or if this is just something for like investors or major people to see it, it could be um, for investors because they're still not sure who they who they want to market to and that comes up in the dinner yeah. where they're like we could we could mark this at like three thousand dollars a pop and then hammond is like i kind of want it available for you know everybody, everybody. kind of like yeah. disney world and then he's like and then the lawyer's like sure we can have a coupon day yeah right like yeah that so. lawyer guy is the most out for money, even more so than Hammond, it seems. But but in that in that scene where they all force the rails off, I mean that's something that comes up over and over again. Like when they all get out of the cars, when they all like even mm-hmm. the, the humans are not do, like you can't contain the humans. Why would you think you can contain the dinosaurs? I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and it 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 kind of reminds me of like yeah, because everything's supposed to be like really controlled. And nature and is gonna from. want to reject it. Right. Yeah. So they all like, they're like, we want to see the geneticist doing the thing over there. And they all force up the rails and go do that. And then we see Dr. Wu and the egg hatching. And right. And, and so the egg hatching, I don't actually know how the eggs start is a big thing. Like, because yeah. if they're not actually laid, like, I suppose they start off like in a vial. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't like know. Uh, <laughs> fucking the dino DNA guy. That's right. what came first. Um the the mosquito and the amber came first yeah um but so they must need oh yeah i get what you're saying though because if we if we're doing eggs then we probably need or no wait no wait it it probably starts off like in a petri dish of some sort yeah i got it but i don't know what an egg that tiny that ends up being that big looks like when it's that tiny yeah, no, that's a really interesting point. I never even thought about the chicken or the egg here. Like, that's a big, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you know what came first? The fucking Easter Bunny. That's what came first. <laughs> there we um, yeah, Hammond. Um, Henry Wu, B.D. Wong, future villain of at least kind of both of the Jurassic Worlds, because I think yeah. he's in the first Jurassic World, but he really becomes the villain in the second. Yep. Um, and I did not see the second Jurassic World they're looking at these eggs hatching and like you know there's this robot arm that rotates the eggs every so often just like any normal dinosaur like mother would and one starts wiggling and it's about to hatch and then Hammond is like why didn't you tell me I'm I'm personally here for every hatchling uh, on the park 
because it's a fucking Easter bunny <laughs> and that he, he cares about this shit. And then, um, and then the, like the, the baby hatches and like, it's an iconic scene. Another one, there's, yeah. there's gotta be at least like three major iconic scenes in the, in this movie well, alone. There's so many, I mean, that like, like but, yeah. at, at least three that like, if you were to make like, if you were to make like a half hour sizzle reel of like the most iconic scenes in the history of yeah, cinema, yeah. like this movie probably has like three of them. <laughs> like, um, um, yeah. And so everything, and I mean, you, you can see he thinks of himself as sort of the father of these, or, you know, and then you have that, the, the music is another thing where you have like almost this like choral piece where it's like, ooh, you know, where it's kind of like, it, you're obviously- It's Prometheus-ish. Right, yeah. I mean, he's, he's playing God and that's exactly that music you know, puts that idea in, in the, and so does Hammond, you know, being present for their birthing. And then, you know, uh, Malcolm basically says that, you know, he has this big speech, which at the, the time maybe seems ridiculous because like Wu's talking about how they're all female and Malcolm's saying, oh, well, you can't possibly contain life. And at that yeah. moment, you're like, well, what are they going to, and Wu even highlights the ridiculousness of what he's trying to say. It's like, well, you're saying that an all-female species is going to somehow reproduce. And he's like, and, and that's when he basically brings up the point, life finds a way, because, right. like, even... That breaks through barriers uh, and boundaries, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... Very literally of, in this movie, we see there, that time There are a ton of theories of how, like, life started, like, Although space is space, like tardigrades, which are like these super oh, yeah. tiny little fucking, they're they protists. Them, they're something like space teddy bears or something. They call, uh, they call them space cows or something oh, like that. Yeah, something like that. But basically they could live in space and they're living biological creatures. Mm. And, you know, like whatever they eat, they, you know, poop. And then poop can turn into bacteria and bacteria can turn into life. At, like as long as that bacteria now, is, is like stable enough. Thought, everything is born of shit yeah <laughs> so, well everything's born like it's also everything's like born of star stuff it's like we're all star stuff and shit both, at the same right. time yeah, see, I, I, you know what i mean I, you can the, guess which one people are going to t- latch on to more it's like we're all stardust it's like you know, <laughs> yeah that we're all shit totally <laughs> like that's always at the back of my mind like every yeah so <laughs> come yeah. from shit we came into shit we return and you know like so that's my philosophy but, um, God. uh so yeah the whole thing uh Ma- malcolm's very skeptical skeptical he says life finds a way um they do uh feeding outside of the facility outside of like the, the tour center yeah. um where they meet with the, with the, they all meet the australian guy Muldoon. Yeah, um like- they should all be destroyed. You know? Yeah, like, and he's definitely like you could tell like he was like probably like a big game hunter in like either like South America, Australia, or sorry, South Africa, Australia, probably both. Right. Uh, so that's why he has like these like hunting strategies, and he's just really good, really good at his job in that way. So he's like the main like I guess I wouldn't call him a game warden, but like yeah. that's like the best thing I could call it. Like it's like this like sort of when you get the sense that Hammond looked for exactly like the, that guy, you know, so, somebody who's, you know, the whole life. I mean, he must be like Ooh. the best big game hunter in the world or something. And probably like, like killed that. a lion with his bare hands or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. That guy's like very mistrusting. He's like, these velociraptors are really smart. They keep like prodding at the fence and 
they every time they find different spots and find the weaker yeah, spots they, right, so they, they remember try the same spot on the fence so which is a clear indication they remember so they never test the same spot for weakness twice which yeah so then you have the they remember you know line or yeah. whatever yeah. yeah and he says you can look at the the uh main female and like you can see in her eyes she's working things out and it just it, it's all we don't see them because they're enshrouded in the foliage so again we just see the cow being or the the bull or yeah. being lowered down into the the pan and then thrashing and then the bloody chains and tarp are lifted i mean it's all just really well done um in building and, dread or whatever and he starts it off and he starts off that scene too by just saying they should all be killed yeah but i don't think he's joking yeah, it comes off like, as a joke. Like I think Hammond is like, ha, 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 ha. right. But he's yeah. like, no, nah, right. They're it's too like, well, smart. I'm here, I'm here to do the job and whatever. How about, but, how about we just stick with the pretty plant eaters and the triceratops right. and those guys? Why not? Because yeah. you know, I mean, they're they're more sustainable too. So right. I, like, because then you just need to worry about the plant life, and then the plant eaters, and then you don't have to worry about the carnivores fucking eating the other dinosaurs right and uh, you know wasting valuable assets in that way because like you know like herds of like big enough herds of wolves could can snuff out an entire like population of deer in no yeah. time if it's big enough um, um i'm trying to think well and but the and it's just a, it's a nice segue actually now that i start to think about it because like we go from the the egg hatching and he's like what species is this velociraptor then we go to the velociraptor pen then Hammond comes along and he's like, they're serving Chilean sea bass. And this is contrasted <laughs> with feeding time. And you can see later Sattler's looking down at her Chilean sea bass with like this look of disgust, uh, you know, like mm -hmm. she's thinking about the earlier feeding. And, uh, you know, so yeah, yeah like those are some nice jumps from, you know, sequence to sequence, you know, everything's kind of interrelated. So Alan, Ellie and Malcolm all decide that they're not going to sign off. Yeah, the lawyer is just a total kiss ass. Right? Yeah, the I mean, lawyer is a kiss ass. He wants to make money. He's ready. He's on board. Yeah. Um, um, but but uh, I think Ellie said that they're playing God and had no discipline. You know, you're playing God. There's no discipline to this place. Like, you know, they see the signs where, you know, not everything is super well coordinated and everything. Like they could kind of like see the writing on the wall in some ways. And then... Uh, Malcolm said that dinosaurs oh. had their shot and how can you assume that you can control them now because like nature decided you know what this is the dinosaurs time because Hammond brings up like why not like you know if I was bringing back condors in California because yeah. like condors are you know a greatly endangered giant ancient bird that are pretty cool if you learn about them yeah um that like i think are still hanging on i think they're doing a little better uh, i think they're and still they technically would. endangered though yeah um but he was like hammond's like you wouldn't be saying all this if we were trying to restore the condor population right. and then he's and then he's like well he like they're well condors are like endangered because of like you know building dams and stuff like that and like yeah, saving agriculture which and... i thought was i think hammond made a really good point and it, it it was one of the only ones that i think really came up against malcolm but i but when, when you think of it, i suppose yeah that makes sense for malcolm to say because i think him 
talking about dams and human intervention is it actually probably just serves to exemplify everything he's talking about you know that we're so yeah but he's um, saying this is, isn't that but uh, yeah he said this isn't that that dinosaurs had their shot and then nature decided you're done you're going to become chickens now you and can the, argue that humanity building all those dams and everything is is nature in a in a way yeah a lot of people that's one thing that i think about a lot is that like people want to like divide the natural and the unnatural world with like nature and the human world but humans are a part of nature so one may conclude that it was always going to happen this way if you had a primate this intelligent you know what i mean yeah. that would develop in this certain way that they would build dwellings and they would you know make the dwellings better and then they and, would and i mean you know i mean certain animals like I mean, beavers build dams so there yeah i mean because it's not like there aren't animals i mean every animal does infect its local environment and they'll, and they'll wipe out entire populations same as we will i mean like you know like uh i mean i don't know like the, the megalodon or whatever ate all the fucking what were those whales and they went extinct because they killed off the whale population and so they couldn't survive and it's like i don't know why i'm thinking of the megalodon before anything else but like uh but like we were uh, saying like wolves can like sap out their own population of car of like herbivores right. that they would be eating uh you know if they're if they eat too many at once basically and you know and then malcolm brings up the you're so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And Grant finishes off with his point that uh, dinosaurs and man are brought together and there's like 65 million years apart. Evolution. And he's basically, yeah. he's not really, he's not as skeptical as Ian Malcolm, but yeah. he doesn't want to he, jump to any conclusions. But he's, but he's still like, there's you have no idea what you can expect like yeah. like that well, was his and, and, thing like the like the chaos theory guy malcolm is basically like no this shit's gonna go wrong like i guarantee right. it it's gonna right. go wrong and then uh basically i think sadler and grant basically come down to well it could go very wrong it could go fine but the idea is it's so unknowable right now that yeah like let's just Let's not be hasty. So there's kind of this, it, it's something that's really interesting about the movie because I hadn't watched it in a, a number of years, like probably five or more, I'm trying I'm thinking, but um, was like so much of this is communicated visually that, and then characters end up saying exactly what you're thinking. Uh, but, um, you know, like uh, as far as things breaking out of boundaries and whatever, and, and but uh, with, with the velociraptor scene hatching out of the egg, I mean, that, that's what that whole moment is. I mean, it's a velociraptor face to face with a human for the front, like, I mean, and, um, but it, it, as far as Malcolm's speech, just cause I feel like it's the heart of the movie. Like I, I'm trying to remember what he says. It's like, uh, you know, the, the problem is that, you know, you, you didn't, uh, cause Hammond's like, how can we not stand in the light of discovery and, and it, how can we stand the light of discovery and not act? And, um, and uh, you know, uh, Malcolm says, what's, what's, What's so great about discovery? You know, it's a, you know it's a violent, penetrative act that scars what it uh, explores. And uh, I'm trying to think, uh, which reminds me of that quote. I'm trying to think. Uh, I think he was a physicist who said nothing observed is unaffected by the observer. You know, and like okay. so. Um, but I, I don't actually know if he said that after Jurassic Park or not. Like I, I, but I just know it's a famous physicist. But um, what else does Malcolm say? It's like, uh, oh yeah, the, and this is what I, I I agree with hugely. Like when we start talking about like AI and just all these things. Um, you know, where he says, you know, the, the problem is that, you, you know, your people then 
earned the knowledge. You just took what other people mm-hmm. have done and you took the next step. You know, you, you didn't earn it. Um, and that's why there's no discipline to it because right, so there was don't feel no any responsibility. You know, yeah, like they did not build the groundwork. They did not have a mission statement of like mm-hmm. when we dis- when we make these discoveries, we're going to use them for ethical purposes or right. purely discovery purposes. Whereas What's... they're already being commercialized. They have a whole section of lunchbox. It's all set. Yeah. Like, said, yeah, like before you even knew what you had, you're, you're selling it, you're slapping a, a, a label on it, a lunchbox, you know, slapping a label on a lunchbox, and you're selling it, selling his pound of his hand on the table, you know, like, but it's so completely true and timelessly and so well put, but I mean, timelessly relevant, but I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, because if you listen to these AI people, it's like, it's horrifying, like, but like they, there's no, they're like, well, you know, if they all kill us, then that's what's case sarah, sarah, you know, like robots won't hurt the earth, it's not our, like, no responsibility, no questioning. It's just natural. And you hear that time and again from every, like, I mean, every time it's like, if there is something that we can do, we do it. It's like, there's, you know, and, and that that's just beyond question. They're like, because it's inevitable. It's not like we can, you know, so mm-hmm. that's always used as the rationalization that, you know, yeah. discovery is inevitable and somebody else will do it and you can't stop progress and all that. You know, but but yeah, these AI people, they're literally like, well, you know, if robots kill us, like, well, then robots are the net, you know, the dominant species and they deserve it. it's Darwinism and whatever, you know. It's like, okay, you know, and like, or even Zuckerberg talking about you know, Facebook, he's like, well, I mean, I guess I hope it didn't destroy natural like or human civilization. I mean, you know, that's a bummer. But okay, yeah, so type that whole dinner conversation just it's the heart of the movie it's what's missing from later installments and it's 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 great and timelessly applicable i mean you know so uh yeah yeah. okay there and uh well acted by pretty much everybody throughout too the adults talking and then we're introduced to the kids uh Mm -hmm. after that so yeah the the lawyer is still down and then like you just said uh hammond goes down and he's like kids and hugs his grandkids and uh, his care for his grandkids, I think, although he's a fucking idiot later on in the movie with like just letting them go out into like dangerous scenarios, uh, it does humanize him, you know, so that like he is not just. I feel like the villain that I remember that isn't BD Wong in the first Jurassic World was pretty two dimensional until like. Dumbass dude who like, I think it's the guy that eyes. got in the helicopter, and like that was the most redemptive that, oh, that the guy okay. got. Yeah, thought, if you're talking about the US guy who wants to use them as weapons, oh or, yeah, they weaponized yeah. him. Oh. yeah, he was he was two-dimensional the whole time, I think. If uh, I yeah, well, but Fallen Kingdom does that. They 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 pursue that avenue of like trained dinosaurs being weaponized. So I guess that's different from Lost World, but idiotic completely and just hate that i mean slightly better than the humanoid dinosaur plan for jurassic park for originally but i think we talked about that in another thing but um yeah it's just so i don't know but okay uh yeah the kids but, and- but yeah so the grandkids names are tim and lex yep. uh lex is uh is a, is the older of the two Sister, um yeah. she is like a very like very good at computers like because Tim is like, oh, you're always on your computer. You're not adventurous. You don't like going outside, all that stuff. And there's like brother and sister prodding. Yeah. Um, but her computer knowledge comes in later. 
And then Tim, he actually cares about dinosaurs and reads up all about them and probably fucking has read Grant's books and probably worships his grandpa and has read Grant's books and like is just like he knows the dinosaurs as good as anyone. The kid actor that played Tim would go on to be in the social network. Oh, really? Yeah, he has a really small part in it. And he's also in Jersey Boys, which is not a good movie. They're gonna about to go on to a tour with the kids and Laura Dern's character Sadler is like hey Alan why don't you sit with the kids because she wants him to start getting used to kids because that's like one of his big like non-committal things is like I don't want kids they smell and they're annoying and blah 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 we're back in like the headquarters like the computer section of Jurassic Park where they're looking at the weather reports and they're like, oh, there's going to be a hurricane soon. So that's where they get, they kind of clue the audience into that, that a hurricane is coming. And there actually was a real hurricane that happened during the filming oh. of Jurassic Park. And know. Jurassic Park, like 1993 was like the most crazy year for Spielberg ever. Because Jurassic Park was released in the summer of 93. And then Schindler's List was released oh. in either November or December. That's so, God, I never made the connection that those two movies came out the same year. Well, I, like he said I, that, I, like he literally has like gaps where he doesn't remember shit because yeah. he was working on post production of Jurassic Park. So, like the CGI and stuff right. of, of Jurassic Park while they were shooting Schindler's List. And then the way That's he did tonal fucking with like, the way the way he described it was he was like, and at some point, like a nuclear bomb went off in my head. And right. I don't I he honestly doesn't remember much else. It's one of the funnest movies he ever made. Next and to then easily the most the most de- the probably yeah. the most depressing. Probably the They're most like de- Munich, but that doesn't even come close to like Shimmer's list. So I mean um, but yeah, so hurricane's coming and then Oh, there's actually two times in which Samuel L. Jackson says, hold on to your butts. And this is the first one. Oh, really? Um, yes. He's like, hold on to your butts. Yeah. And then he turn, and then he activates the tour. Jackson's like very professional. Um, yeah. It's his last name is Arnold in the movie because he's Mr. Yeah. Arnold. Yeah. I mean, it would have been before Pulp Fiction and Pulp Fiction was what really put him on the map. He had small parts in a bunch of Spike Lee movies. Like he was in Do the Right Thing. Uh, But yeah, so this is early in his career. And, you know, Dennis is a slob. He's complaining all the time. He's asking for more money when he's clearly one of the worst workers there. He the only the only leverage he has is he's good at code. Yeah, Uh, he's not he's the worst worker in terms of like a work ethic, you know, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, but he's, he's unfortunately kind of indispensable and Hammond recognizes that, yeah, without Ned Henry, uh, they're fucked. So you see some animosity between the two, uh, Samuel Jackson. Well, I, and Dennis. I mean, he's primarily or, going up against, I think, Hammond, you know, cause like, uh, you know, Hammond's the one who's like, I'm not going to get into another financial debate with you, Dennis, you know, it's like that, that those are your problems, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. So we cut back to the start of the tour and it starts with like Dilophosaurus, which ends up being the spitter. Yeah, um, we don't see but, it. 
I think that's something where they took a liberty where uh, it's no one could tell if Dilophosaurus like exactly. spat in okay. real life back in the day, but oh. they they add that I think, and I think a reason they add that is they want like a scary scene that they could still pull off in a PG thirteen movie. Right. You know what I mean? Where, where every other scary animal is like eating people. And yeah. you already have one scene where the T-Rex eats a guy. Maybe it might be too much to have Dennis get eaten like visibly that way. But yeah, it, it might be better to be like spit. It is much more graphic in the book. You know, his guts are everywhere and all that shit. You know, so like, that makes sense. But, yeah. yeah. So they use the spit as kind of like a veil to be like, yep. hey, this is scary, but right. it's it's not going to really fuck a kid up. You know what I mean? Right. Like. Uh, but all right, yeah, uh, then we're, it's exactly what's kind of on your mind, but then the character says it, Malcolm says it, and uh, dinosaurs don't abide park schedules, you know, yeah. it's right, I mean, so again, it's it's all of this was supposed to be perfect and very controlled, and what are you on, the, even the cars are on a rail, again, I mean, we have the scene a little later where everybody jumps out of the car, and, you know, like, it, yeah, um, so what's his name talks about getting locking mechanisms in the cars, but I say, okay, well, that might be a, like a, a sort of a safety code problem, too. So I'm like, I'm thinking maybe a bus or a tram or something would have made more sense, but I don't know. Maybe it's a work in progress. But, yeah, um, it, it could be. Um, but this is when we get uh, Malcolm's not certain that uh, Ellie and Alan are, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, which honestly, as kids, we yeah. we clearly weren't certain of that either. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, I, well, but some it, of it's starting to make because, yeah, I suppose it's, there's a bit of you never see him kiss is the big thing right. like i think the entire movie i don't think you see him kiss no. and i don't think anything was lost you know by by that yeah it's not a love story <laughs> right and they're often separated and you know everything so which i mean you know right here so malcolm's definitely flirting with ellie and doing like like explaining chaos theory with like a drop of water on her hand and you know one would think that if you drop the water in the same place that it would go there that would go yeah. down, it would run down the same spot, It's not a perfect but, one because uh, they're in a vehicle and everything, so that affects, but yeah, but he's, yeah, he's using, clearly using it as an excuse to, you know. Like, like hold her hand, and he even, like, sneaks stroking her hair, too. Yeah. But things don't ultimately work out for him because as he, you know, uh, chaos theory is exemplified because uh, I think it's uh, Sattler jumps out of the, or no, Grant jumps out of the vehicle, so, mm -hmm. uh, then Sattler follows and then he's left alone talking to himself as he says and he's like there you go chaos theory yeah and, and they go and the reason they jump out is because they go and see this triceratops that's yeah. sick and this was a practical effect where they created a triceratops and I think they said they had at least three maybe four workers inside the triceratops where did they yeah they filmed in hawaii so i'm like that's yeah it's got to probably suck um but oh the other thing i, I wanted to mention earlier was like you know sattler's being a, a paleobotanist you know it does come up and and, and is relevant to the, the script which i like and she brought that up at the dinner table that you have poisonous plants in like the lobby and stuff i mean you pick them because they look pretty she says i think um but mm -hmm. yeah so here she senses that it's eating something that uh uh, this made it sick because she's talking to one of the technicians, which is another thing I like about the movies that we encounter technicians all over the park. So it's not just these characters. Yeah. So he says it happens like once every six weeks or something like that. Uh, then it'll fall ill. And 
and then they do the flashlight test to see that its eyes are dilating like and just things like this so yeah they find some sores on its tongue yeah right um, and then they uh go around looking through looking through some plants and then they go to more like hurricane talk real quick back in the computer lab and then the scene after the computer lab you start to see waves actually crashing into the under the yeah yeah, seawall or whatever and the scene after the computer lab is when you have Malcolm doing the, that's one big pile of shit scene. And yeah. um, she's digging through the shit, looking for stuff. I don't think she can actually, I don't think they ever actually deduced exactly what was wrong with it. Right. Cause they were like, well, it's not that plant. What could it be? And then. Uh, well, she sticks around to work it out. And this is definitely not going how I think Malcolm was hoping the next five minutes would go, you know? Yeah, so, she's, yeah she's, she's digging around. I think he's digging around in dino yeah. doo-doo. And also you start hearing thunder in the background too. So the hurricane yeah. is coming. It's like one of those yeah. like summer where the thunderstorm hasn't, hasn't hit just yet, but right. the lighting is right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, things are taking kind of a, just a generally ominous turn, you know, I mean, the, the, with the sick dinosaur and just what happens next. I think we're in the well, computer room again. Yeah, they're in the computer room and then they cancel it. They're like, let's bring them back because they're already mad that they got out of the door or out of the cars. Like you said earlier, we should have locking mechanisms. This has been a shit show, literally. And then so that's when Sam Jackson's like, you know, you know, John, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, which is an interesting line to me because it's like, okay, if they're recognizing just how thin the line is between like disaster here, like that should kind of like, what are you doing? Well, it's still in such a prototypical phase too. You know what I mean? Because like it still hasn't been approved. I'm trying to remember if something's mentioned in the movie about like how he's keeping this under wraps. I mean, I suppose people have NDAs or something, but you know, fucking dinosaurs. Well, obviously it's not because there's another corporation that's aware of and yeah they have a small staff i would say right. like some 25 people uh dennis says that he has to debug the phone systems and the and some locking systems may go on and off for the next half hour or so, so oh yeah like, that, that was the thing so he gave dodson shit you know for like you know where you try to be a secret agent but then when it's nedry's turn he has this big over rehearsed explanation for like you know it's, yeah. it's, I've got a, I've got a, uh, the phones and uh, I, <laughs> anybody want anything for the, the vending machine? I, Cause I'm a hunger. I'm gonna, yeah, that's a, like that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And everyone's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, like, so. <laughs> and then, um, bas- and then basically he steals the embryos because the door like locking systems and, you know, security systems are shut down. Which just shows what a selfish fuck he is. I mean, cause like now everybody's compromised. I and mean, in doing that, one yeah. of the systems that shuts down is the van stops. Yep. And it happens to stop right next to the T-Rex, which they had driven by earlier and dropped the goat in, but they waited and nothing was happening. So they right. went over and then that's when they saw the Triceratops and then they are doubling back. And now they're on their way back and they're near the T-Rex again. All right, so Nedry, uh, at this point, he goes to the uh, the research lab, which is abandoned right now because all the researchers got onto the ships that are leaving. That's a big, So he has to do all this in like 15 minutes or whatever because the ships have to take off. Uh, he's got a guy on the inside that's, or whatever. So, uh, but somebody on the bridge, not the captain, but whatever, uh, who's going to try to delay the captain on his behalf, but whatever. So, and he times his stopwatch in sync with the uh, deactivation of the security cameras. Uh, so it, it's all really 
tense, even though Nedry's a total dick, like you do feel that suspense. Like, I mean, but so it's a perspective thing. But yeah, so he runs to the, the research lab to get these vials and put in the Barbasol can that we talked about earlier because um, it's got a false bottom and whatever. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah, and he does a very shit job of trying to escape. Uh, yeah. He fucks up a sign uh, to the dock. So like loses his direction to totally. Yeah, his escape is intercut with the most famous scene of the movie, I would, I would argue, uh, the T-Rex scene. So he's escaping, he fucks up a sign, he eventually crashes. He gets a little bit lucky because he actually crashes kind of close to a dock because he sees it. Because, oh, like, sign, yeah, yeah, because he goes I mean, off the cliff or whatever, and then uh, he actually sees, like, oh shit, there's a sign. So I saw this time that he actually looks at his watch and says he still has time. I don't know if he's being delusional about that or if he, he seems to legitimately think he can still make it. So yeah, it feels like, like so much time has passed because we're inner cutting between mm -hmm. the T-Rex scene and this that you're like, oh God, the ship's way gone, but, but who knows? So, I mean, right. And so he gets the tow cable wraps around a tree and then he starts to see a Dilophosaurus and it's not just Spielberg, but I feel like in most Spielberg movies, like if you're a dick to animals or if you're just being like a dick to something that like you kind of get what yeah. you get, you know, you get what you deserve or whatever. So right. he calls the Dilophosaurus stupid because it won't play fetch. Yeah. He's like, no wonder you went extinct. He climbs up like the waterfall area and then gets spat on in the face. I had explained earlier in this movie that the spit turns you blind and then they basically eat you. So he falls on his back and then we follow the Barbasol can down the water. Oh, and there's there's also a classic banana slip sound. Oh, is there? It's intentional. It's funny. Right. Follow the Barbasol can down. There's this kind of like great visual, like, I don't know, like metaphor of it being buried in the mud all mm -hmm. over again, you know which is a nice touch. But anyway, um, so we do cut away from Nedry. I suppose in that time, the dinosaur could have gotten into the Jeep, uh, mm -hmm. you know, but the question is why the fuck would it do that when he's already on his back and in distress, you know? Yeah. So I, that's well, one of those inconsistencies. They do that to keep it a PG-13 movie so they can cover the glass with ink. Is you could just have the Dilophosaurus attack him and then follow the Barbasol can down and then we could actually have like the red blood in the water, you know? Like, yeah, that could be. Right. I mean, yeah, you could obscure it with maybe a car door initially, you know, or something like that, because it is just a little, you know, like, why is it in the fucking Jeep? You know, why didn't it attack? But then again, it is kind of playing with him when we first encounter it. Now that I think about it, like it doesn't immediately attack him. You could probably give it a pass, but like you said, it's like a good touch that it's like buried back within within the mud, within like sort of like beginnings of life where it's, it's kind of like an easy come easy go thing too i mean you know mm -hmm. it's like, yeah from whence it came it, it modern and cutting edge technology is just going to be yeah like the most uh sort of artificial form of nature just being like churned back within right like the most basic form of nature you know yeah. what i mean yeah, like water right. and dirt that it means is... we're all shit and we're all star stuff yep yep <laughs> um now, as this is happening, the, the famous T-Rex scene is happening, and it kicks off where, well, it, it actually kicks off where uh, Malcolm is talking with with Alan about, you know, he's like, is she, is Dr. Yeah. Sadler available? And then Malcolm actually, like, apologizes, and then 
like even Sam Neill like hands him like his canteen for water and stuff and yeah, yeah you know they bury the hatchet if there even was too much of a hatchet to bury yeah uh, I mean, they're very different personality types but I mean you know it's uh, yeah they're not really rivals or anything Malcolm explains he's had like four divorces or some shit yeah. like that he's always looking for a new former Mrs. Yeah. Malcolm right yeah then there's the famous water cup scene which was uh, really cool, actually, because I, I, you know, these desk speakers or whatever, and I had my coffee sitting on the desk, and it actually was the vibrations. It, it, yeah, were, yeah, it was really cool. This is like probably like the scariest it got for me watching movies for like a while when I was like really little. I mean, because it is kind of scary, and like, like I don't know, Jurassic Park used to scare me more than maybe even Jaws. Just oh, because Jaws would frighten me a lot more. But, uh, well just well just because like i grew up on a farm so oh. like you're dealing with like cages and like oh the oh. cows are out and this and that and they're so big at the time and yeah. you know if you're just a little kid like it's it's scary jaws though jaws really that scared the shit it still scares the shit out of me actually so, but, like, basically i'm just saying which, dread- which makes no sense because like you said at least there's a legitimacy to your fear because you're on a farm and you're rational and there are cages mine i've never been on a beach there's no reason to be <laughs> never been because. on the beach <laughs> well I, I mean i guess i have now but like at the time like i never seen the ocean like what the hell yeah. am i frightened of you know but and then you see the t-rex because the electric fences are off oh, so yeah. you see the t-rex leaning against the the fence and it going down which i don't yeah. know like there's a ravine like, that's the big so another thing here does it I, fucking yeah. jump <laughs> like yeah which and it makes sense for it to so it's or kind of, it or does it come off the op it, it doesn't come off the opposite side though right yeah because i i really they fall down out. the same side it came off of that's the thing so i really try to keep an eye on that because like that okay so the elevation of it like the car goes over where the t-rex came in so it just yep. doesn't make any sense I, it does make sense to keep it keep this at an elevation so that that doesn't happen but it somehow happens anyway because like the, the that height is like he's probably taller than the t-rex so it just doesn't and then geographically i was trying to keep an eye out for like if there is a slope like a massive like and uh yeah i'm trying to think if there was anything more to that but and uh, they they establish the t-rex coming in like bit by bit where it's yeah. like it starts off with it it's like claw like kind of touching the electric fence and nothing happens yeah, and, just, and then right and then I, mean, I think i think it's introduced where we see the head coming out of the foliage uh and that's but mm-hmm. then we don't see much else of it until we see the whole thing and then you're like holy shit because it's and how small those jeeps are you know yeah. next, it's right in the middle of them it's right there you know so it's like yeah that was a great scene and this um, is when the lawyer runs immediately like a fucking yeah. coward and sits right. in the toilet. Uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you gotta go, you gotta go. You know, yep. Malcolm, yeah. And then Alan is telling Malcolm, keep still, they sense movement. Uh, yeah. they, they won't notice shit. Don't really know why the fuck uh, Lex wanted to go grab a flashlight. Oh, that was, okay, because she doesn't know that. So she probably thinks she's being smart trying to signal the other car but Tim knows that they track with, and so he's trying to get her to shut it off. What, you know? what do you think she's trying to do? 
I, I think she was trying to be smart and like signal the other car, you know, the way she was waving it around, or maybe she's just trying to see it out there because we do see the windows are fogged up and it's it's dark. Yeah, maybe she didn't exactly see what it was because right, Tim immediately knows the problem. Like he he because he loves all this stuff, so like he knows that it attracts movement. He's like, shut it off, shut it off. And Grant's saying the same thing in the other car. And I know this scene used a combination of CG, practical yeah. effects, and. That was animatronics for the head, right? And, the and yeah, animatronics. yeah, animatronics. Stan Winston did the T Rex. Oh, uh, St Stan Winston's like a legend, right? Okay, so Stan Winston has won four Academy Awards. Things that he did, or at least had something to do with the thing. The oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Fucking he did great. He did the thing, the Terminator, Starman uh aliens not alien but aliens okay. um predator oh all right uh edward scissorhands predator 2 terminator 2 batman returns jurassic park tank girl oh <laughs> uh -huh. the peak of his career uh lost world small soldiers oh Lake yeah i saw, I saw that as a kid Lake Placid, Galaxy Quest, Pearl Harbor, AI, artificial intelligence. Oh, he's a Spielberg likes him, obviously. Yeah, Dr him and Cameron. Jurassic yeah. Park 3, Big Fish, Terminator 3, Constantine, Zathura, War of the Worlds, Doom. Zathura was like a spiritual successor to Jumanji, I think. Or okay, this is a weird three movies in a row. Ready? What? Okay, so it's Eight Below, The Shaggy okay. oh, Dog, yeah. and The Benchwarmers. Okay, well, wait, That's The Shaggy the, Dog? So Eight Below was like dog sledders, right? So there's, there's yeah. a team of dogs for two movies, and then Benchwarmers. Okay, I'm trying to think where he would have even gotten any work in Benchwarmers. That's just a baseball movie, right? Yeah, or like with Napoleon uh, Dynamite. I, I don't know. He might have done like some bowl cuts for david spade yeah. uh and then he did iron man kingdom of the crystal skull terminator salvation he did something with avatar a little bit in shutter island and then i in theron i haven't heard that but that's his last movie and then he died oh all right so uh, career. so long story short stan winston's a fucking like brilliant dude he did yeah. I mean, aliens some, not alien and then right, which i think predator. i was talking about just how amazing those effects were and then the thing is just fucking incredible he, so yeah, he did predator the thing uh you know obviously jurassic park so and um, i'm not exactly sure how much he had to do with avatar but it doesn't sound like he had a ton to do maybe just because there's not, not a lot of practical effects involved but well, maybe he like helped the, with some of the, the giant art robot suits. I don't think those were CG. I think they actually built them. Those like yeah, so. they had some. Some of that was real. Yeah, uh, at least like the cockpits. Right. Um, so that that could be what it was. Uh, but yeah. So she grabs a flashlight. Uh, Lex does, and I think she's just trying to see what's going on. But it's attracting the T Rex, and the yeah. T Rex basically like just plows through the roof of yeah. the the jeep which is just a glass roof what well, and uh, i like that that scene too just because like uh you know they're, they're so preoccupied with turning off the flashlight that like 
well, it's he, right? And you become absorbed by that, just the urgency of trying to turn the thing off. But like, you know, like they both kind of forget about, oh, the whole reason we're trying, which is the T-Rex, which then comes right down to the, and there's that realization, they're both like, oh shit, you know, like, cause they, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and it's a glass, uh, sorry, a glass roof. So that's why, which uh, is relevant to us, what happens a little later, but yeah, so the, the glass roof comes down on them and they're, that's all that's separating them from the T-Rex. And uh, they're sliding all over. And yeah. And so. the T-Rex really goes at the car as though it's just like a big like cow or something that yeah. it's trying to eat, you know, where it's like it attacks through the top and then it tips it over and tries to like eat at it's, its, it's underbelly. Off and, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, and those kids are being like crushed down into the, the mud and it's like, it's really, so it's not like, a, ooh, you know, the kids are in danger. It's like, holy shit, they're about to die a very horrible death. Uh, Grant opens up the a box of flares and he uses a flare and then kind of gets its attention and tries to throw it, but it doesn't leave immediately. And then Malcolm uses a flare. He's like, get the kids. And he... Yeah like Malcolm runs with it, which actually, like we said a little bit earlier, Jeff Goldblum brought this to Spielberg and it ends up being a good idea because I don't think Spielberg would have done it if he didn't think it was a good idea. Like he wouldn't just acquiesce to- well, And like, that car chase sequence like an that actor. happens later wouldn't have been, I mean, nearly as frightening because we have Goldblum who's in the closest and proximity he, to that T-Rex. And I remember when I was a kid, like, and this kind of gives me like, maybe the maybe an idea that like you know maybe i have good judge and character because i always as a kid liked malcolm the most and i actually and i was i was always like bummed i i was always like bummed when i thought he would die or something oh uh, yeah so i was like no they shouldn't kill malcolm <laughs> and uh so i was well, always happy that he the made lost it. world as a kid because i mean like that's all him you know gold blue coming back and i didn't watch it. lost world nearly as oh. much i've watched it i it took me till like i was probably older than 10 to watch it so oh. I, I i didn't really have like a childhood experience with it but yeah i always liked malcolm Moore. but nowadays i kind of feel like i would rather be like sam neil as an old man than i would <laughs> want to be jeff goldblum as an old man Oh, well, just yeah, I because mean, I, I'm a huge Sam Neill fan, like, so I mean, you know, but it, I, I think I liked Malcolm as a character a bit more as a kid. For, oh, you know? right. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just nowadays, I'm like, you know, Sam Neill is just out here chilling, you know, well, he's, he, he's got his own winery in, uh, where, where is it, Australia or whatever. It's called Two Paddocks. And I guess he's doing the acting thing still to keep the winery afloat. And he's like, kind of wishes it was the other way around, but it's not hugely successful but like he and his wife just sit around and drink wine and, and he does some acting to keep it together so yeah but sam neil like he posted on twitter some sometime recently like he was playing a ukulele oh yeah i saw that yeah yeah he was yeah. doing all about that bass and i'm like you know i get you sam neil <laughs> i think it, it took me a while but i get you sam neil also sam neil i believe this same year the movie was released was the piano which oh, is a a movie by jane campion uh she's a new zealand director it's a really good movie it's got harvey keitel and holly hunter and is holly hunter's best performance i think it got her an oscar and i think she did deserve like she did deserve it like it, was, it i don't think it was a case where 
the academy waited for a movie that was on or that was less deserving you know i think they did kind of line this up where it's like this was her best movie i i don't care too much about what the academy does but i do when i agree with them i i'll say like yeah i agreed with them Sam Neill is being optioned as, or, you know, for the role of Bond. You can actually find footage of like a test uh, reel or whatever that he did. But uh, uh, I think right around the time of Timothy Dalton's departure or whatever, but it ended up going to Brosnan. Sam Neill's another one of those actors that probably could have got more work in, but I don't, I'm not really sure why he's he didn't. Great in horror, like all of my favorite stuff that he's in has is, been horror stuff. You know, like Event Horizon and uh, In the Mouth of Mad, or yeah, it's In the Mouth of Madness, the John Carpenter one, and then. Uh, God, he did just a lot of stuff, Daybreakers, that vampire one with like Ethan Hawke from Training Day. And then, uh, oh God, just a lot of stuff. He plays just like the worst piece of shit in like Peaky Blinders for the first couple seasons. And uh, oh, one that's sort of similar to this is with Willem Dafoe came out in 2010 or 2011 called The Hunter. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that might be, you know, an interesting one as, as a follow-up. I mean, it's very different. It's not like super action-packed or anything, but it's about them finding like the last Tasmanian tiger in the world or whatever. And it's kind of a weird ethical dilemmas start to arise around or, uh, you know, surround that. And it, it, it's a really good movie. Uh, very good. But yeah, so that might be something people might like. Not a lot of action though, but whatever. So Malcolm, it makes sense in the scene too, because you would need more motion to attract the T-Rex than probably just throwing the flare. It's starting to kind of burn down. It looked like by the time he tossed it. So he probably became the, thing that it yeah like. malcolm starts you know running and uses himself as bait and then he kind of throws it just a little bit late but the t-rex already has a beat on him uh he doesn't get a chomp in but he does end up like fucking i think slashing his leg or at least breaking it's, his leg or so something. i watched the scene and saw and noticed for a split second something i'd never seen before so then i went back and i frame by framed it malcolm goes he's somehow found himself it's a stunt double obviously it, it's it, you know like you can see a few frames of the stunt double he's got the glasses but it's very clearly not gold blue but he's on like a wire or something he's got his legs wrapped around the snout of the t-rex as it goes crashing through the the bathroom and he just goes like flying on like a wire off of the, the snout of the t-rex and uh and that gets buried in the debris and so it's kind of like he got hit by a car yeah, basically. It's yeah. Like, so, <sighs> yeah. So he goes flying off the snout, you know, uh, and it looks like part of his boots in like the mouth of the thing a little bit. But yeah, because I did a frame by frame. And it does okay. look a little ridiculous, but it's so brief that I'd never noticed it before. So yeah, nice. it's crazy. But like you said, it's like him getting hit by a car or bus and he goes flying off and gets buried in the rubble. And then it's uh, Gennaro, uh, the, the lawyer who's on the shitter. And, yeah, 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 the bathroom just falls apart for the lawyer and then he gets eaten. Uh, yep. <laughs> and then that, uh, so that's like the on screen death of the movie. Right. Really? Yeah, yeah he gets, uh, yeah, that's the first one I think that because there's only so many deaths like that that you could probably manage in a PG 13 movie without, yeah, he's getting like thrashed around an and shit. And you know, so. yeah, and later on when they go inspect the like you know, when Sadler hero and then Sadler's in another place closer to the camera, she's like, I think this was too. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> uh, Alan kind of gets starts getting the kids out of the car. Lex is Lex just like screams like her voice box apart. Uh, yeah. 
because like the T-Rex is really fucking close. It's but then they kind of managed to like hide and maneuver behind the car as like it's spinning as the it's, car. Yeah. Cause it still thinks that like the car is the dead thing that it right. that it should be eating, I think. So because again, T-Rexes are stupid. Uh, but basically it ends up pushing the car off the ledge with Tim inside and while they rapple great set piece. yeah and, and mm-hmm. so sam neil starts to swing uh yeah they're using one yep. of the cables from the fence and then he has to have legs grab onto the adjacent uh cable Vine the or whatever it is yeah in time before the car with tim still in it which is really horrible you know but they don't have a choice you know like they ended up getting forced over that ledge and grabbing onto the cable i think is how that went and so they can't really get to tim who's still in the vehicle and then uh yeah and then he's trying to like uh wall run or whatever and get Lex to grab the other cable which he does just in time but it's a great time it's a super tense really great scene and then you know right and then this is actually when we would be cutting into the Dennis scene when Dennis dies all right Grant climbs the the tree for Tim then it's it's also a nice scene quick here with Lex because like he kind of sets Lex down and he's like He's like, I'm gonna go get Tim now, and she's clearly yeah. fucking shell shocked. Oh yeah, and like, he left us. He left us. You know, got out of the car and bolted for the bathroom. You yeah, know? and he's like, well, I'm not gonna leave you. Right. And it's like, oh, he's growing as a parent. <laughs> um, uh, he still probably makes a couple bad calls still later on, like the, the electric fence joke or whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, he just, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. He's learning. Um, he's he's fine. <laughs> he's learning how to deal with kids. Uh, yeah. but he climbs up to go get Tim and Tim's like, I puked. He's yeah. like, I won't tell anybody, whatever. Like, and then, <laughs> and then he grabs Tim and then the truck starts, uh, Which, breaking. You know, just, I don't even know how Tim's like, cause his legs were pinned in the car when he went over. And then, I mean, maybe, and, and then he could have gotten impaled by those trees. He could have, well, like, you any- don't necessarily, cause like, I kind of, I've been pinned not by like uh, something that heavy, but could like keep you from moving anywhere. Like you could be pinned by like a seat cushion or something that uh, will put enough pressure angle. on you that you can't move, but not necessarily break anything. Okay. You know? All right. so, yeah. Okay. Like, that makes sense. so like that, uh, that I do buy uh, him kind of staying in the car falling down seems a little unlikely, but I'm uh, whatever. Uh, well, he's in the back, so maybe the backs of the seats. And he's a uh, little, and he probably grabbed onto some shit. I don't know. I yeah, I have no idea. But whatever, he's yeah, he's whatever. been through a ride, um, you know. Uh, and it falls all the way down as they scramble down the tree branches. Uh, I kind of think that they could have just rotated to the other side of the tree and That's been fine. What I thought, but then looking at it, it's like I don't know if there's really room for them to maneuver like that. So maybe scrambling down the tree, just from what I could tell upon rewatching it, was the only option. Again, the big, it's a lot of little nitpicks here, but every scene. But they're, they're ones I over... even thought of as a kid. Like you're bringing up all the ones that were in my head too. So it's like, I mean, yeah. these are the ones that people know, but so talking. Yeah. About and, and, and every scene that these, nit, that these nitpicks are in are like such good scenes otherwise that you forgive it that you this movie just has some of the best in any movie you know yeah back to back i mean the the car going over and then the car coming down the tree and like it's 
the, lot, the, so. the nitpicks are constantly worthy of forgiveness in this movie and even in some bad movies or lesser movies than Jurassic Park I'm willing to forgive some nitpicks yeah. but if like the overall story and everything else to go with it doesn't overcome the nitpicks it just kind of adds on to it and it kind of becomes you know it, yeah, yeah. They, mo- they stack up and yeah, yeah. It, it stacks up and then it just becomes an extra annoyance on top of an all already like lesser movie i suppose right. but, but yeah, they make it to the bottom of the tree the car comes down grant shields tim but uh luckily because the glass roof of the car was destroyed uh they actually get lucky yeah. and yeah, and they're um, like, we're back in the car again. Yeah, <laughs> and then Ellie is looking for them on top. Uh, some time has passed; like they've gone on, gotten the hell away from the T Rex at this point. Right. But Ellie's looking for them, but she finds Malcolm, and that's where we get the oh. But she actually lawyer. goes down to the location of the car because she looks over and sees. And I'm like wondering, how did they repel down that? What did they use the cables? Did they use the? I wrench think they probably the went. I would imagine they went around yeah. ar- around a long way because all the while we can hear the T-Rex and I'm like, that's, I know that you have to go investigate, but if I'm Malcolm, like you guys are leaving me the fucking keys. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. I, I, I agree with that, but that's, and that's why he's like, hurry, hurry. We got to go now. Yeah, we gotta like, go. Must- I don't think it was going to take any short amount of time to get down there. Right. I mean, so mm-hmm. like, and there's the immediate danger of the T-Rex that we hear. So that was a little weird, but whatever, but I mean, but it's not like she wouldn't go investigate. I mean, and the whole reason the, the other dude is there is to recover uh, Hammond's kid. So he has to, you know, go check yeah. that out. And they do see footprints. So they see that they're probably alive, but uh, yeah. they're not sure what the fuck it is going to come out of it. So Laura Dern and the Australian guy or South African, yeah. that a- accent is a little similar. I think it's Australian though. Um they hop in the car and they drive away just in time to get away from the T-Rex. Uh, that's another good scene. Uh, and another reason that, like, you know, it was good to keep Malcolm around because that scene is definitely not as good without him. Right. Well, uh, yeah, because the, the danger is much more immediate. I mean, he's, he's scrambling back and uh, he fucks up the stick shift or whatever. And, like, it just... Yeah, yeah. like, I mean, it wouldn't have been nearly as tense without... I mean, because those two characters are going to be in the front seat and it's just having him there and he manages life. like comic relief at the same time in a way like like c- compared to the other scenes we've seen in this movie this is like a comic relief scene almost where it's just like bust go faster right yeah or oh. yeah he just has so many great like 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 when they they uh find him buried under all the rubber years like remind or remind me to thank john for a lovely weekend and just like he's just mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a million great lines in this one so one thing I found I thought was kind of clever and I didn't really notice until this time is they climb into a tree to go sleep in the tree, right? Uh, yeah. Sam Neill and the kids. And I was thinking like, you know, they see the Brachiosauruses, um, but like, I just think it's a cool thing that they climb up into a tree again because it's almost like de-evolution, right? They're thrown back 65 oh, yeah. million years in a past and primates like you know uh or monkeys you know like basically mammals at the time of the dinosaurs they were either like lemurs that lived up in the trees or they were little rodents that lived in the ground you know thrown back in a world with with a more superior uh animal species on on earth like mammals have to 
resort back to their roots of like living in the trees so they don't get eaten by a T-Rex. Well, and, and that's the other thing. So it's a grant who's like the most technologically illiterate of the lot it does is quite well surviving the longest with two kids in tow uh, across the park, you know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, he's useless with technology, but he uh, does uh, exceedingly well uh, surviving in the park. So after all the technology fails, which, I mean, you know, so, um, oh yeah, he gets into a tug of war with one of the Brachiosaurs or whatever. Right, and they're like, I'm just like, I wouldn't do that up there in the tree, you know. I might not. Yeah, you no, can I fall might. down. I yeah. think he wanted to pull him, pull it closer so that the kids could pet it. Yeah, but that thing's fucking huge, and I'm like, yeah, I, I just. <laughs> it's probably got the strength of like ten bulldozers or something, right. like. So. Yeah. But whatever. I'd ag uh, I'd agree there. And then we get <laughs> kind of our Temple of Doom moment with Lex, where she gets sneezed on by the sick Brachiosaur, you know. So. Yeah um yeah and i know right. it's just never gonna do anything again uh <laughs> okay yeah that night there's the dinner scene where it's like ellie versus hammond and they're at the opposite sides of the table yeah and basically in that scene uh hammond talks about how he had a flea circus and he's always like wanted to like control that kind of stuff and kind of like just be what? And, he, and he's, you know, and he's kind of going through denial too, because it's like, you know, he's like, I realize, you know, everything was too automated, which you could see at a glance was the case, you know, like next time we might, like yeah. he, he says not, it's all correctable. Right. Yeah. So, and, and then uh, she said like, you never had control to begin with. You didn't even have yeah. control of your employees. You didn't have control of, of, of the park. Sorry. That was, I don't know. Uh, but uh yeah, no, I mean, if even the, the the tourists, you know, them, I mean, they're, they're like, like I said, I mean, they're, they're breaking the safety bars, they're jumping out of the cars, they're doing what they want, going where they want, you and know, and, and yeah, so. If, if you can't control your own employees or the right. tourists, how can you control dinosaurs? And then, uh, yep, and then the dino boogers scene happens that morning, <laughs> and then start walking through the woods, and they find. Oh, Grant says he'll stay up all night. It to you know because Lex doesn't want to fall asleep, but he fell asleep, mm -hmm. so he lied. He's he's a yeah, he's yeah. he's he's you know he's a bad parent. <laughs> but, but yeah, they see new they see a new like nest of dinosaur eggs, and it's not supposed to be there because all the dinosaurs are supposed to be female. They look and, a little plasticky. I noticed this time, like uh, yeah, so that, that's all that nice detail that I get on the monitor. Uh, so and then. And then he kind of rationalizes it. Well, you know, frogs in an ace like can kind of become like sort of asexual or change their gender at will if yeah. you know the yeah, yeah, environment around them calls for it. Yeah. yeah. And so again, that's one of those scenes where it's like it's all Sam Neill selling it, you know, because like it, he does really sell like he's working it out. But if he can work it out that quickly in such a short period of uh, period of time. To account for how this could have possibly happened shouldn't other people have been able to like yeah they probably shouldn't have used frogs as the missing as the missing link right because it takes him all of like 30 seconds to work out how this went wrong and how they were able to <laughs> right right so it works the scene works but just if you think about it it's like well maybe people yeah. didn't want to see it i don't know they have they have another thing called like what the lysine contingency where they're they deprive yeah, dinosaurs. But I'm like, you're already doing that, right? Like, because nobody's nobody's out there feeding the or injecting the T-Rex with amino acids or whatever. Yeah, I didn't fully understand that either. 
I, just, I know there's an explanation in the lost world is that like they adapt beyond it or something or somehow but I, I know they do give a reason but i can't remember yeah so, the point i think but the here point, it's like that contingency is already in effect like because nobody's around to inject them or whatever it is they do you know feed them or i don't know so because it sounded like they had a plan or something like the lysine contingency to that right maybe they provide it through plant life though i don't know like you know Actually, what i mean I, I, that might be the uh like yeah the last world i think they were saying they're like feeding off of things but then that makes but then that makes no sense because if you have the plant life around that like well then you should have seen that this was never going to be a, this contingency was ever, but then again they don't seem to know a lot about the plant well life the plant well the plant life is just on that island it wouldn't be on a on another island oh, or that was, like, yeah that was the other island right but but then maybe they would have overlooked that because sattler even says that like you don't even know what some of these plants plants are so it's possible yeah. they or, overlooked that because they're or just totally maybe they pump maybe they pump the cows full of it. I don't know. Yeah, and then and then it was uh T-Rex or the, the carnivores eat the herbivores, and that's how they get it. So the herbivores eat the plants and yeah, but I I think they try to keep the carnivores caged away from the herb herbivores and just feed the carnivores normal livestock like goats and cows oh yeah but i mean as far as the lost world and how they're surviving because like oh, yeah, you brought it yeah, yeah so you're you're right i think it's i think that the herbivores eat plants that have lysine which is a big obviously they're overlooking something there but sattler says that they don't seem to know much about their plants and then the carnivores eat the herbivores and yeah that's how that works i don't know much about that contingency so if we fucked any of that up let us know in I the comments yeah, we, pro we, pro we probably did anyway the point being life found a way there's eggs. It's fucking Easter. Deal with it. Okay. So then after they give the point that like life finds a way, that's when we get the famous scene of Ian liquid sex Malcolm with yeah. uh, his he's chest. He's doing the Burt Reynolds pose, right? Yes. On he's the, doing the Burt Reynolds pose. You know, the skin rug. I think it's actually just a bunch of files and schematics, but you know, that's what a mathematician <laughs> would look sexy on. So, you know, but... <laughs> We, we can't all be Ian, Ian Malcolm, yeah, but we can sure as hell try. Just... So they decide to shut down the system and try to do a restart because yeah. that, that'll get the phones back online in Sam theory. Jackson doesn't want to do it because he's, I'm sure he's worried this is going to wipe all of his work. Like, I mean, and. And but, they, hadn't, uh, they hadn't tried it before. And that's just right. another example of how unprepared they were. Yeah. But, uh, and that's when we get the second hold on to your butts. Yeah, um, he flips the switch off and everything yeah. goes dark and then and then but he does he does see in one monitor that it is it is rebooting so right. it's like it worked it's just going to take a while well and they then, have to go and manually start everything up which is in a different area yeah and sam jackson's like oh it'll be three minutes i'll go to the circuit breakers yeah I'll, it'll be totally fine yep <laughs> and it totally is he's all good and everything works yeah out. i mean you all know alone. he has a big kahuna burger like yeah. it's a good time <laughs> and then that's when they see like the ostrich like uh dinosaurs where like you pointed out before it's almost oh, yeah. like sam neil's the kid where he's like what kind of animal what kind of dinosaur is that aren't they cool flying yeah, like right birds? Yeah. and then it's like let's get out of the way yeah, um, yeah, Tim starts to, he just kind of starts, he's like, yeah, they're flocking this way, and he starts to run. And then a T-Rex eats, the, the same T-Rex eats one of those, and while it's distracted, let's try to get out of here, and they come across a fence. At this point, or at least, or maybe just a little bit before that, 
Ellie and the Aussie go to check on Sam Jackson because they're like, fuck it, he's been gone more than three minutes. He's probably yep. dead. And this time it's, it's Ellie taking the initiative, like, because uh, normally uh, she's kind of gone along with everybody. Like she decides to stay back and look at the crap with the one uh, park technician or whatever the proper term would be. I just technician, I guess. Um, but, uh, and then uh, what was the other one? She decides to go with uh, the Aussie to go find Grant and the kids. And she, I'm just trying to think what else. Yeah. And, um, then, and then she goes to get the circuit breakers. Yeah. She takes the initiative here. Uh, and then uh, what's his name goes with her, which, you know, good idea. And then, um, and Hammond feels a bit inadequate, you know, because it, it doesn't seem right to, to have the woman go. But he's, it, it'd also be a little ridiculous for an old man in a cane with a cane, unless he had the. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not going to do funny. shit against a raptor. Like, he's got to oh, get over himself. But he has <laughs> the, the teleporting abilities of the Easter Bunny. But he's like Clark Kent. He can't reveal this to everyone. <laughs> and so he put him in an awkward position. Yeah. Um, so. He can only do it when no one's looking. Really, really, the Easter Bunny is a lot more inadequate than people make him out to be. But. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just yeah. an old man with a cane. Nonetheless, the East <laughs> Bunny. Uh, Muldoon, the Australian guy, sees right away that they're being hunted and tells Ellie to r- just run for it. Actually, uh, so no, I just remembered. To, so she was there when uh, I think Grant was having a speech to the kid, you know, talking about the Raptors. Like the attack doesn't come from the front, it comes from the sides. Um, if, and if what's his name is saying there's a Raptor just there ahead, he could have said, well, they ambush people. But he maybe should even know that himself from observing the creatures attacking the the bull in the pen every day yeah that would have been a lot to like you know give him a crash course lesson on raptor hunting yeah she's probably not gonna do that but even he just from observing the way they attack maybe but maybe because the bull or whatever is ensnared and all that you know like cables Mm -hmm. and shit maybe they don't even bother with the ambush attack pattern you know so maybe it's something he hasn't been able to actually observe so that's um, a good point yeah, I don't know, but but just that little bit of information might have saved his ass. But he, uh, it's yep. like a chef, Chekhov's gun scenario where, the you, kind if of you guess. bring information into a movie, it has to have some sort of payoff or at least resolution to it. Right. Where, you know, if you bring up that Raptors have this certain attack pattern. Oh no, I get it. I just feel gonna, like I mean, yeah, maybe you're gonna even... see it in the movie. But speaking of guns, we get the really the satisfying click of the Spaz 12 stock. It's just like, I mean, the clicks, all the clicks in this movie are the most satisfying clicks you'll ever hear. You know, it's so that. Mm-hmm. The, the, and then when Ellie goes and hits the, the switches and presses the buttons, same thing. Just beautiful sounds in this movie. Okay, so she's going through the... Oh, yeah, he tells her to run because he says we're being yeah. hunted. And, and he, he tells her really to run. She's... She's jumping over, va- yeah. over like logs, doing some gymnastics, right. and then, uh, like you said, he dies. Like he gets ambushed. He's like clever girl, right. and then, uh, you know, he gets his ri- like face ripped apart. Is what it looked like. Yeah, um, the, it's so the thrashing is so violent that like it feels like a violent animal attack, even though we don't actually see anything. So that was really well done because it feels violent. So yeah, it's a way of getting around the, the PG thirteen. And it, there's like I get the, why like in other PG thirteen movies why you try to avoid that violence because you're trying to make a PG thirteen movie and you're trying to you know because like lots of times movies only get greenlit if they're going to be PG thirteen. You know right. what I mean? So you have to have some sacrifices. Sometimes they almost acquiesce too much, whereas 
you know, you just have some foliage in between like him getting his face ripped off. Well, and, and like that could be a whole thing itself because I've seen more recent PG-13 movies. It seemed to have gotten a lot more lax with the violence where now they're kind of able to do, I think that was because of J.J. Abrams because the earliest example, like a big, well, who's big in television, uh, but with like Cloverfield, the original Cloverfield, we get brief images of some pretty graphic gore, but it's so short uh, that uh, they can get away with it. And that was something that was, I think, with like Heroes and other TV stuff, Fringe and whatever, coming out, uh, maybe even Lost, where it's like you could get away with gore, but it had to be really brief. And so they've gotten more lax that way, but it almost draws more attention to the problem because like I watched like the shallows and somebody gets bit in half by a shark. And we see, but they angle it in such a way where he's like, it's ridiculous. He's crawling on the beach. So we know he's been bit in half. We can't see the, like, it just feels like, you know, either commit fully to it or be, you know, do like Jurassic Park and, and cover it up and be clever about, you know, because the implication of violence can be done really well. I mean, too, it's just, mm -hmm. but I feel like when they're, it's so clear that they don't know how to get, they want to do something, but they can't. Like, you know, I mean, if you think about like Psycho, that's all implication. Yeah. That's, you but know. But it feels violent, you know? And so, I mean, mm -hmm. so it's, yeah, there, there are ways of doing it and you can do it. It's like, a lot of that was probably due to like the J-horror phenomenon, you know, in the early 2000s, like I, I think we brought up, but you know, where it was all ghost stories and there wasn't a lot of violence. And so they went, wow, we can do horror movies without, and, and get the PG-13 rating. And then an unfortunate consequence of that was that like movies that shouldn't have been PG-13 Kind of got hit with it and then you'd mm -hmm. maybe get the unrated dvd that you know that would have like two extra scenes of, like, also, a bit of violence ellie, oh, yeah, is ellie then, goes down to flip the switches on right um, she's being directed by hammond she flips flips the switches grant and the kids are climbing the fence and you know he's doing like maybe a bad dad joke uh yeah. that he's getting zapped and they try to see if they can break break through or bend the fence around, but the T-Rex yeah, is yeah. coming, so they just got to climb. But they hear it, yeah, so there's this sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know, there's, there's sort of an urgency to the scene, but then later Grant saying, you know, take your time, it's not a race, and, but whatever, it spurs them on, and then, uh, but right. the, the, the larger tension is that uh, Sattler's flipping these switches down, you know. Uh, that are turning there. the fences right. back on, So and Lex jumps off the well, they, they all reach the bottom first and Tim's taking a while. And then they hear that the power is about to come back on because the sirens start to blare or whatever. Um, and he's like, just jump. Yeah, and he's like, are you crazy? Because he's still way up there. And he's like, I'll catch you. And, you know, and so yeah, Tim's just that, it's like, he doesn't quite get it. You know, I suppose he's a kid, but he's too scared to jump. And then like, so he gets blasted off and he would be like 120% dead, but whatever um you know so yeah i mean he falls all that way anyway and then uh grant has to do cpr and it's great it, it's also it, you know it's like this big yay we got the power back on moment but it's contrasted by you know oh shit like tim's just gotten you know electrocuted so it's they kind of and then if that wasn't enough to kind of gut punch you you know then uh the velociraptors show up yeah, uh, for, yeah yeah we we literally have a scene where she's happy and like you said like a yay we're back online right. and then wrap, which is already that, undercut by tim getting electrocuted but if that wasn't enough then Velocity yeah and, and, and that's one of the bigger jump scares in the movie like sam neil in the uh in the featurette was talking about how he was watching it next to princess diana oh, okay. and like princess diana like really lost her shit in that scene yeah, uh, it, it is startling. Oh, and then there's the Mr. Arnold, like she backs into a corner and 
Yeah, she, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's hand is resting on her shoulder, comforting. Yeah. And then right. she realizes there's no body left with it. Yeah. Uh, that's like a that's a gross out scene. Okay. And then with the with the with Tim having been zapped off of the fence, uh, Sam Neil proceeds to do CPR, and yeah. we're just gonna do a quick uh, PSA here. He does it very poorly. Oh. Uh, you have to lock your elbows. You mm-hmm. always lock your elbows. Yeah. He's like kind of bending them. It's been worse in other movies. You kind of have to be basically hard enough to like crack the sternum, right? I mean, yeah. And then Tim just fell off of it. So, like, probably just every bone in his chest is just broken, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, But you kind of have to when you're acting almost, unless you're using a dummy, because otherwise you'll literally hurt the other actor. So, I kind of get why. But still, poor form. Oh, well, he resuscitates Tim. He doesn't die. uh, But He's, his hair is all frizzed up. And then, yeah, he takes him to the visitor center. And, and at this him. point, Grant thinks that, you know, if the cages are back on, the fences are back online, everything should be fine. But uh, Ellie's like, run. And then yeah. uh, the kids are eating jello and sweets in the visitor section where there's like catering. They're both smiling at each other from opposite ends of the table, but then she sees the silhouette of the raptor moving, which at first it's a like a, a fresco or a mural or whatever of raptors. But then we see the yeah, so mm-hmm. and then she freezes up and he's like, What's going on? you know, and her jealous starts shaking in her hand, and yeah. So. And then we don't see exactly how they get right to the kitchen, but we cut directly to the kitchen scene or the, where yeah. it's a very clever scene where they use reflections to try to distract. I was, I was always kind of trying to figure out the physics of the reflection because to me, it doesn't look like it quite, I don't know how that, if that would have It doesn't look not. like it makes sense. Yeah, I get it. But, but uh, it's still great. I mean, it's still like that scene is still super tense and whatever. And it, so it was- they lock, one, they lock one in a frit in the, in the freezer. So that motherfucker is yeah. probably going to die. Well, while they're doing that, and I mean, they're, free, you know, like the other raptor, what's he doing? He's just kind of like, he doesn't see all this going on. I, you think, know? He, I, think, he, I think it's still concussed. It's still. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He's just getting up, right? Because he slipped on uh, some shit. Or well, it, it's, uh, it's uh, her reflection and oh, yeah, it's, know, okay, ran right. head first into, uh, into a metal cabinet. Okay, right. And then, so they managed to get out of that and then they go to a computer system where they meet back up with ellie and alan and ellie and alan have to hold the door shut because they're the adults but so it seems like hopeless because it's like oh what the fuck are the kids gonna do the adults can't hold it forever it's not locking they have to break into the thing but yeah and and grant's saying you know ellie go you know hit get the door locks on the on the computer and she says you can't hold this on your own so um, you know, and uh, so it's clear that whatever it's, has to be done has to be done on that computer. But. Yeah, and it's raising the tension, and then and then Lexi saves the day. She's like, "This is a unit system. Mm-hmm. I I know this." Which, and, if you want to get like super geeky, um, <laughs> it, that is a real thing. It's called the uh, God, what the file system navigator, which you FSN or you'd say Fusion. And it's 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 actually IRIX. So it is a Unix. Unix was created by AT and T. It's basically a, a, a operating. Is it system. U, unit or unit? Unix. U N I X. And uh, okay. So anyway, it's a Unix by system. AT and T, and then so this would be like Unix system five or whatever. Uh, but 
uh, Silicon Graphics uh, Incorporated, SGI, which you can see their computers all over this movie. And some of the most, like they were just like, I guess you had like crazy supercomputers, which like NASA had, but otherwise it's Silicon Graphics Incorporated just had the just most cutting edge workstations, which the special effects for this movie were made on. All, like there's so much history with the Silicon Graphics computers, but, uh, but anyway, they had a, a, a form of Unix system fly or uh, called IRIX and within IRIX, was uh, the file system navigator or fusion. And that's what she's looking at. So that's a real thing. Don't, and, isn't, uh, yeah. isn't it just easier to have a list of files and folders though, and not this 3D cool. and it's not the cool. 3D model that looks well, actually, cool. Like the PS2 but... on the, the memory card reader, like you go into the browser and it kind of looks a lot like that where it was a 3D model of your, if, yeah. yeah so. that's That was true way back but, in the day, but. Yeah, so I don't know. It looks cool as shit, but it, and it was a real thing. It looks uh, like you're so. being way more badass, but just go right to like there. a really boring file navigator on like Windows, just be like, it's a Windows system. I know this. <laughs> like, just, yeah. Just control F. Visitor center door locks. <laughs> um, yep. But anyway, it was a Unix system and or she more knew it. Specifically, IRIX, which was like a version of Unix. So, yeah, which was propri proprietary for SGI. I, I'm glad that it actually went into that much detail. Lex saves the day, the doors lock, but they start breaking through the glass anyway. And then they shoot, they shoot it a couple times with the shotgun jams. And yep. they had to climb into the vents. And then Lex almost gets eaten there because she almost yeah. gets butted up and falls see how through. Like, yeah, how strong, like that, the, the one in the opening of the movie is ripping that dude all over the place. If it got a hold of her leg, she's coming down with it. I mean, or the whole thing. Yeah, so yeah, like, she narrowly avoids it. it. It's a great shot. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that was actually done in two different shots, apparently, because like yeah, because when she was hanging down, that was a stunt double, but they composited her face on it. Oh, and okay. then when they climbed up, it was, you know, her again or something. And then they climb out of the vents and they jump on these fossils on uh, the visitor yeah. oh, center. Yeah, the raptor, like uh, multiple raptors show up. So they, they jump onto the hanging. Yeah, uh, there's two yeah. there's two raptors left. Uh, yeah. And like they're just kind of like dangling on these and they're falling. Uh, Tim almost gets crushed by a big fossil. It's another great set piece moment, you know. But, yep. Yeah. And then uh, they all end up on the ground, ultimately surrounded by the raptors. It's the short version, though. They're surrounded by the raptors. There's pretty much nothing they can do. And we're seeing that one's about to pounce, and that T Rex snatches it. Right. And we still don't know how the T Rex got through the doors. No, we can, Are the doors I, big I, enough? I keep an eye out. So the lobby was under construction. You can see that a big opening, uh, opening big enough for the T Rex to actually oh, okay. fit through. But the, but the, big, the only question there is like, well, why didn't we hear the T-Rex, you know? I mean, obviously it's for dramatic tension, but mm -hmm. like you hear thump, 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 thump all the time, you know, like the movies played that up and like, so why we don't hear And it. they definitely like, would have seen it. They wouldn't yeah. just be focused on the Raptor. They'd be like. Right. So, you but know, it's not movie. as bad as the end of Johnny Mnemonic with, you know, the, that's just garbage scene or anything about how so. It's just garbage. <laughs> Yeah, but I, no, it's actually, I mean, it's a really great scene. Then we get the, the shot of the Jurassic Park, you know, yep. falling around the, the other raptor had bounced, had pounced on the T-Rex. And then that's when they use it as their chance to escape. Yep. The T-Rex rips that other raptor apart. And then, like you said, yeah, the banner of when dinosaurs walk to the earth falls yep. down. And it's like a, it's like a trailer moment. <laughs> like, yep. 
and then, um, well, and then Hammond and Malcolm pull up, and they had all, they had already talked to uh, Grant on the on the phone, and uh, obviously it's a big shock that the phones are working. So like Hammond asks after his grandchildren, they're fine anyway. So then Hammond starts making phone calls, whatever, pulls up in a jeep with Malcolm, Grant, and all of them bail into the the jeep, and then there's that great line where it's like you know after con careful consideration, Mr. Hammond, I have chosen not to endorse your part, and, and Hammond says so have I. So yep, and um, then they yep they get in the helicopter. And, and uh, kind of like how it starts, they leave on the helicopter. And it's, uh, Ellie gives him a look like, oh, you're going to be a good dad after all. What do you say we reproduce soon? Uh, how's it? Oh, yeah. We see the pelicans flying over the sea. And and then they it goes off into the sunset. You know, John Williams's beautiful music takes over. And yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's, there we're at the credits. And film ends. So place in society, cultural significance. A timelessly was, relevant, especially as technology advances. So. Timelessly relevant, timelessly entertaining. Somehow, probably not even a top five Spielberg film, though, which is, which is fucking it. crazy. That's not yeah, a criticism of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is one of the Park. greatest movies ever, especially action, adventure, all that. Yeah, but like, it's just Spielberg's so prolific that I might put Jurassic Park in my top five Spielberg films, but I could easily see a list where it doesn't I, make it. I like Raiders. Totally I like I like Raiders more. So let's uh, see. So I got like Schindler's. I got E.T. And these are all valid recommendations, by the way, for, you know, counters, uh, yeah, so yeah. I have Schindler's, I have E.T., I have Jaws, and then I think Saving Private Ryan, and then Raiders, so that's right. probably my five, or I might switch Private Ryan and Raiders sometimes, and yeah. then I think I have Close Encounters, but it's really hard. The color purple, know. the color purple is also really good. And like that one, like people fucking forget that Spielberg made. I'm trying um, to think what other ones that kind of get forgotten because I mean you you kind of tend to think of like the larger Hollywood movies as Spielberg, but I mean he's done plenty of like Amistad's Amistad's not among his best, but it's good. It made the most money of any movie to the to this point in which maybe uh just because of uh you know, like, like you tend to think of the 90s and everything's dealing with genetics because, I mean, you know, like you, you just had uh, the, the, the mapping of the, of the genome and all that. Like, so all the movies dealt with that. So, but it's not aged because it's speaking to broader themes of, you know, I, I, I mean, that could be applied or to, to AI or whatever. I mean, it's, it's very Michael Crichton. Oh, that's the other thing. So Westworld would be a great movie to watch um, because that was Crichton that directed the original 70s version. And uh, and very again a theme park going to hell. You yeah, know? it's very so, Jurassic Parkish. Yeah, so that but it predates Jurassic Park, and then but really just about and then I mean any like the Andromeda Strain or ER. I mean those are all Michael Crichton. They all probably have maybe if you like Crichton and you like all the techno babble and whatever those aspects of Jurassic Park. Those would be watch any movie that's been adapted from a Crichton novel. They're actually, they're not all good. A lot of them are absolutely horrible. Some of those novels are absolutely horrible, um, but they all, like a lot of them deal with, like I remember like Prey was nanotechnology and then they're worried about a gray goo effect. It's, it's always technology running amok or something like that. So, um, you know, and man's reach exceeding his grasp and, and stuff like that. So uh, those would be other recommendations, I guess, uh, off the top of my head. Uh, but definitely, definitely Westworld would be the most similar, like immediately, but the 70s, uh, just trying to think if there's anything I'm leaving out. You, know, you start talking about the money, and it's one of the highest grossing movies, right? So Jaws is probably the most similar to Jurassic Park of yeah. Spielberg's films. I would say definitely watch its sequel, which I think is hugely underrated, but The Lost World, I, I, I love, and that was also Spielberg. So 
Um, but uh, I know not everybody feels that way, but I don't know why. I, like, I think they aren't remembering the movie they saw. I mean, it's, you know, you could say it's not as good as the first Jurassic Park. I think it's really close, but I don't know. Um, but let's see. Uh, and then uh, it's, yeah, as far as money, I'm trying to remember the, the actual numbers, but I, mean, I think it was uh, the 17th movie to surpass a billion dollars when it was re-released in 2013 on th for 3D. And it just got re-released last year in theaters and rose to number one, uh, you know, again, for the first time in 25 years, right? So, or what, right. what would that have been? been I, I can't remember the numbers. I suck with numbers. So this is probably all butchered, but yeah. Um, uh, let's see. And Jaws was re-released and Empire Strikes Back. Like, so th that's what was in the theaters and yeah, they hit number and one. In so. a weird recommendation, I would, you have to be in the right mood for it. And if you've already seen it, and you don't necessarily feel like going back to it i kind of get it because it's a super hard movie to watch but maybe watch Sindler's list down the road he had filmed the better part of jurassic park in like the year 1992 mm -hmm. and then post-production was coming like around the first half of 93 and when, while yeah. that was happening uh schindler's list was being filmed right so, yeah, so that's he was working on the post-production of one of the to that point, like the next level in visual effects in the history of cinema, right? Because it goes in steps. Like we brought it up before. It's like 2001, like Star Wars or some stuff in between yeah. Terminator 2, Jurassic Park, Lord of the Rings, Avatar. Like, yeah, those are the big ones. But so he's working on post-production for Jurassic Park at the same time he's working on pre-production and production of an intensely depressing, intensely personal Holocaust story. And he literally has massive lapses in memory and it was just a yeah. blur. But I mean, he did his best fucking work. It, it's one yeah. of the one of the best of all time. Uh, one of the hardest to watch, but one of the best. Um, yeah. But Jurassic Park is one of the easiest to watch he ever made. Jurassic Park is timeless um what rating are you gonna give it dakota out oh, of five? uh, uh I, yeah i'm trying to uh, shit um okay uh probably a 4.5 like part of me watched, yeah that's what i'm that's what i was gonna do i was gonna give it a very glowing four and a half but then and, i think i love lost world so much i might give it the same score though i would say this is a little better so like i don't i don't know so that's the only reason i'm hesitating like right yeah, 4.5 it is, you know, it's not his best. And, you know, there are some like silly plot holes or whatever. And it's not like, and story wise, it's not the most important movie ever. You know what I mean? There it's, is substance to it, which I think is the big thing that people forget somehow. Like, this is far removed from just a spectacle Hollywood right. blockbuster. Like, there is a lot of thematic substance and philosophical questions and whatever being raised that. I mean, that isn't so heavy loaded that like kids aren't going to be able to appreciate it, but it's, you know, it does have those moments and those are what are kind of lacking. Right. Uh, I definitely think it's a four and a half that leans five. This is our first Spiel our first Spielberg movie too. Thanks everybody for joining us on this Easter Sunday, watching a review of an Easter movie, Jurassic Park. It has eggs. It has a resurrection. It has an old white man that looks a lot like a bunny rabbit and has kind of mystical powers and gives away eggs and really cares for the chickens that hatch from them.
on that note, ladies and gentlemen, happy Easter. Hold on to your butts.